Huzzah! Huzzah! <laughs> Welcome to another fucking horror podcast. I'm Monique Sanchez. I'm Amy Trayton. Hey, you doing, girl? I'm fucking fantastic. How are you? I love that. I know. I try to be enthusiastic. I'm into it. <laughs> You're always into it, no matter what it is. I love it. You were into banshees last week. Bye. I mean, that was me living my best motherfucking life. You were. So, I'm so happy. Yeah. You had the best. Re- I could never have expected that reaction, <laughs> and it was everything that I had ever hoped for. That I'm was glad. what I needed in that moment. I'm glad I delivered. You fucking always deliver. You know you that. You delivered on the fucking story. It was Thank fucking you. great. Thanks. Oh my god. I'm doing well. Uh, other than the fact that apparently I have drank NYC out of its canned Palomas. I was going to say, we haven't had them in a while, and I almost like texted you to be like, hey, can you bring over some Palomas? Because they are nowhere to be seen. Damn. I cannot find them in my usual spots. That's how you know they're fucking delicious. It's devastating. Yeah. Yeah. No one has them. If anyone has an in. (laughs) (laughs) You've got a guy. Jose Cuervo, Ken Palomas, in New York City. Hit us up. Hit a bitch up. (laughs) We need them. Badly. I know, I've been on a beer cider kick just because I, that's what's available at the grocery store. And a Paloma is like adjacent. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. But I like it. It's like a little, something light, something not too, yeah. I don't do shots. I don't want to, yeah. I mean, that's a lot. It's a lot. I say as I just did a shot. (laughs) (laughs) And tequila, no less. Tequila. Just Just a little one. It's like a baby one. It's just a. I mean, it's considerable. I like to have no. I like to. Have, I, oh really? Get, yeah. No. I, I don't know. know. I'm not really a shots person. It's also weird. It's like a very weirdly shaped glass. Yeah, it's like so a you whiskey. Have no. Yeah, you glass, have right? no idea how much is in it, which is very dangerous. dangerous. Has, yeah. has ended badly on several occasions. <laughs> when you're like, no, I only had three shots, and you're like, right, but that was the equivalent of six shots in that glass. You know, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't do that. No, I mean, or do, but just you know, live with the consequences. Yeah. Right. Be Iron Mike. Or you're fucked. Fuck yeah. Iron Mike. What a goddamn legend. <laughs> He's a fucking legend, dude. I really can't get over it. I want to be like Iron Mike. I do too. I feel like I probably need to qualify my I would be in a murder trust statement. <laughs> <laughs> um, listening back to that didn't sound great. It didn't sound great. The hilarious part is I was against the death penalty for them at the end Which is so ironic because I was so into the goddamn murder trust to begin with. I'm pretty sure when I heard you say I would absolutely be in a murder trust, when I listened back to it, I'm pretty sure I guffawed at it. Okay, good. It was very funny. It was, it was like 90% a joke. Let's go with 90. I also agreed before I knew all of the, they like gave him the fucking wood alcohol and the turpentine and the fucking antifreeze and the fucking sandwich with the tacks and the broken glass. Like I, when they were just letting him drink himself to death. Oh, that's different. That's when I agreed. He's living his dreams. For the record. Yes. I thought we were just assisting an alcoholic with going out with a bang. Yeah. Like this is what he wants anyway. Yes. I didn't know I was agreeing to like. To run him over with the car. Right. (laughs) Douse him in water and try to like freeze him to death. I was not aware. I would not join a murder trust. That's a lot. It's a lot of work. That's a lot. If it was just insurance fraud and we were helping a guy drink himself to death, maybe. I could be convinced. If it was like a stock where you set it and forget it. Yes. Sure. There you go. That that turned into a lot of effort. (laughs) I want a stock-like murder if anyone can arrange that for me. That would be great. Where Amy's the beneficiary. Yes! <laughs> but like I am very like a passive murderer in this situation. I don't actually have to. Yeah. Yeah. Be like, they're going to die eventually. Yes. Cool. Great. Yes. 
And again, like you said, he's going out in his best way possible. Yeah. Like, that's how he wants to go if he wants to go. For sure. So yeah, I would not join a murder trust. I think... Under those circumstances, at least. That is definitely not the worst thing that's been said on this podcast. Okay, so right? I, I mean, be concerned about it. It was one of those, like, I also agreed to murder somebody with a candle, so, like, murder trust didn't seem that bad in comparison. Exactly. So, like, whatever. I you know. loved... Because I had forgotten that you said that until I listened back to the episode. <laughs> I did, too. Trust me. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck, I said that? Damn. All right. And you're like, absolutely, I joined a murder trust. I was trying to kill someone <laughs> with a candle a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> And I, which I mentioned in that other episode of, I didn't want to ask you if you would do it because I didn't want my answer on the record. And before I could even say that, you're like, oh my God, 10,000%. Absolutely. Of course I would. Of course I would. Yeah. What's the issue? No hesitation. What is the problem here? I'm obsessed with you. I, (laughs) thank you. I'm obsessed with you. I'm obsessed with the fact that you don't think I'm a complete psycho in the fact that I'm just like casually agreeing to murder people. One, we're not dating. So that's probably... So a you're good safe. indicator yeah. that we're, you're not a psycho. Oh, Because I clearly go. have a type, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> We've all dated a psycho. We've all been there. It's Girl, fine. it's tough. It's tough. They're out there. That's the problem. They're and you don't there. know sometimes. I, you know, I so I've been re-watching The Nick for like the 10th <gasps> time. I still haven't started it. I'm it's so good. I gotta do that. So for those of you who haven't seen it or don't recall me mentioning it, it's set in 1900 at the Knickerbocker Hospital in New York. Fuck yes. New York City. Fuck yes. And Clive Owen is the, like, top hotshot doctor who... Emphasis on the hot. I mean, fuck. (laughs) And, you know, this is literally the dawn of modern medicine. This is before penicillin is still, like, I believe seven years away. So they are literally... Figuring shit out. Like, creating devices... Amy, this would be I love it. your favorite I thing. I love it. I love it. You would They're love like it. inventing the chainsaw to help women with childbirth at this point. I mean, not that happening? far off. Okay. But it's shit yeah. like that. This is also the time period where cocaine was just uh, <gasps> a medicinal thing that you used all the time. This is the time period I want to live in. <laughs> <laughs> pioneer women, go fuck yourself. Full disclosure. Yes. I will take pioneer women too, but like, mm, I mean, if there's cocaine in that era as well, like, I'm down. And like, cocoa wine? Opium yes. is like rampant. Yes. Like, so. There's a scene where there is a certain medical condition that they just haven't figured out how to master it. And when they think they do, the fucking patient dies again. And it's really been weighing on them. So there's a scene where he calls his associate at two in the morning to come to the hospital. And he comes in and he's like in a manic state. He's coked out of his mind. (gasps) And he's just like, I figured it out. And he's just passionate. And it's... And I'm so wildly attracted to him in that moment. <laughs> and I'm like, this is a very problematic. Yeah, I shouldn't be glamorizing this. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, and I had a whole conversation with a friend of mine about it of like this, because in my dating life, that has been a pattern of being with really brilliant men who have like massive substance abuse issues. Yeah. And Sometimes those things go hand in hand a yeah. little too well. Yeah. And it's that thing where I was like, is it possible for them to not go hand in hand? Is it possible to have one without the other and, or like without like severe mental illness? Yeah. You know, but it was a thing that I caught myself being like, this is a problem. And this is a pattern that I'm recognizing being into this. And realistically, if you watch the scene, it's made to make you fall in love with him. Of course. It's, it's, he's brilliant. He's passionate. He like figured it the fuck out. And, (sighs) and you're like, Oh my, it's Clive Owen. He's not like the elephant man. No. Gorgeous. He's gorgeous. Oh, my God. And, like, even though he doesn't have his regular accent, like, the accent he has is, like, 
basement flood inducing for Hell sure. Yes. Of course. Ugh. But it's that thing of like, this is a problem that I find yeah. this as attractive as I do, even though I know it's being set up to me to be attractive. This is actually like a pattern in my life. <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing you. I'm I aware. See you, I acknowledge you. you. Yeah. I'm very called out right now. <laughs> I feel personally attacked. Yeah. I mean, yes. I, it's so good. I'm also very drawn to those characters too. Like Sherlock is a good example of that. Like yeah. he's on fucking opium like the whole fucking time. Yeah. And like Nurse Jackie, like she's fucking on painkillers, but she still is amazing and does her job yes. and is brilliant. Like, oh. And it's kind of like... It's like that duality, that yes. fucking, yeah, juxtaposition between that brilliance, but also they're so human. They still yeah. have these, like, yeah. needs that they can't, yeah, they can't get past. And almost like, because they're so brilliant and just see something, see life from a different perspective, that means that they feel it from, like, a very human perspective, which isn't a great yes. time a lot of the time. Yes. So they have to self-medicate to, like, deal uh, and that's relatable. That's, it's so you relatable. You can understand that, yes. Yeah. Especially in that time, like, mental health is not widely practiced or anything, so... Yeah. Yeah. But the neck, it's fucking great, guys. It's so. I it's only fucking, two I seasons. know. You've been recommending it to me literally since we met, and now yeah. that it's on... HBO Max, HBO baby. Max, I gotta fucking do it. Oh, it's so good. Which, speaking of, I finished Alan versus Pharaoh. I know. I know you haven't. And I'm a bad girl, I didn't. I'm, it's okay. I have two episodes left, because I literally did not make any progress since we last talked. It's all good. You just have to show up with some sort of story. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. You nailed it. <laughs> I'm good. You're nailing I know. the podcast. I checked all of my boxes, so it was good. It's really great. The last episode is very tough, even though the subject matter across the board is not yeah. a fucking picnic. But it's just excellently made. And did you feel that there was a resolution at the end of it? Or did you feel like you were kind of left hanging? Um. Just so I like can prepare myself a little bit. I don't know. There is some, some, well, here's the thing. There is no resolution in that Woody Allen is still living his life, is living his life and has gotten to do whatever the fuck he wanted. No repercussions from this. With no repercussions. Which is the most infuriating part, honestly. So no, there's no resolution in that. Okay. But you do see, it does go into Me Too and it does go into these untouchable people meeting their judgment day. Yes. Which I fucking love. Fuck yeah. fucking so, need to be done, honestly. Exactly. Yes. And the hope, I would imagine, is that that day is coming for Woody Allen. I fucking hope so. I was, I knew this wasn't going to be the case, obviously, but I was secretly hoping it was going to be a jinx type. Oh, for sure. Ending where it was like, oh, and by the way, like, now he's arrested and now like, he's, I mean, that would be yeah. amazing. But hopefully because there is now more eyes on this case again. Yeah. And... I would never want to speak for Amy or for this show in general, but I would like to go on the record, Monique Marie Sanchez, and say, fuck Woody Allen and fuck Moses Farrow. You can 100% speak for me. (laughs) Okay. I don't know about the Moses Farrow thing, but I I trust your judgment on this. And 100% I'm saying fuck Woody Allen. I have always said that I've, again, literally never watched a single of his movies because I kind of want to say my mom like made me very aware of the situation from a young age and was like, he's a problematic person and you should not support him if you can sort of thing. Yeah. You know, I knew about the, the Sunni yeah. situation. I didn't know about Dylan until I didn't either, yeah. 2014, Shit. which they bring up in the last episode of there was a tribute to Woody Allen at the Golden Globes. And in, in the, 2014? In 2014 okay. with like 
Diane Keaton singing Smile by Charlie Chaplin. To, it was like, Ugh, it was yeah. such a circle jerk of bullshit. Yeah. It's like, you can't see my face, but like, I'm rolling my yeah, eyes. Audible and, yeah. eye roll for sure. And in the middle of the Golden Globes, Ronan Farrow, who I didn't know who he was at the time. Even though he was a fucking bam, tweeted shit. out. I missed the tribute to Woody Allen. Did they bring up the fact that a grown woman accused him of sexual assault when she was seven years old before Annie Hall or after? Uh, and then it was like, what? Chills. Right? I fucking like, mm. And then that tweet was everywhere. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not As on Twitter. Yeah. But I saw that and I was like, what the fuck is this? I'm like, who's Ronan Farrow? I mean, I knew the last name. Yeah. So I figured there was a relation. And then that's when I did the deep dive into everything. That's when Dylan wrote a piece, her piece for the New York Times. Yeah. That they wouldn't, the New York Times wouldn't release it. Wait, what? So how it got released was that an opinion columnist released it through his opinion column. Because the New York Times what? would not publish it. Because Woody Allen is a piece of shit, but he's fucking untouchable. Wow. Yeah. I did not realize that. Yeah. Holy fuck. And then 2018, Me Too essentially happened. And then Dylan was like, cool, but where's the repercussion for Woody Allen? Yeah. So it's not resolved in that he's still living his fucking life. Okay. And he's claiming that it was a hatchet job and they didn't come for him. And they're like, bitch, we literally asked you to be in this. One. And you said, and you didn't respond. Yeah. Two, we used your audiobook that you released in 2020. Yes. With your words. You literally it. read it. What are you talking about? Yeah. Go fuck yourself. You said that. It's your fucking voice. What are you talking about? I know. I can't believe we never talked about how great, like the shit he says in the audiobook that they play is fucking insane. <laughs> insane and the yes. fact that like he said it he recorded this version of the audiobook he put it out that's that shit that if you don't watch rupaul's drag race oh my god RuPaul's drag race what the fuck was that oh my god <laughs> look at your life and look at your choices so because it's amazing it's, and everyone should watch i mean it. Yes. rupaul is an icon before there were icons and just is i'm obsessed with mama ru so after certain seasons would air and as is the case people would not look great yep they would come for her being like, oh, editing, editing, editing. And it's like, but you said that though. Yep. Like we didn't edit you saying a thing. You actually said it. Like it's you on camera. Yes. It's you on camera saying the thing. So you can say editing all you want, except those words came out of your fucking mouth. Yes. And it, if it's not a cute look, that's your bad. Yeah. Unless you can prove in some way that the co it was taken out of context, which I doubt. Yeah, I mean, they didn't, I highly doubt they pulled an Arrested Development. It's like, don't say I killed her yes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was not, <laughs> not the case. This is why we can't have nice things. This is why we can't have nice things. Do you have a spooky story for me? Do I you do have, have an interesting story for me? I have a spooky story. Oh, hey. Story. I was like, as we discussed, I hate calling it a spooky story because I don't want to like... No, it's not. Put any expectations <laughs> on you. Well, now I, no. <laughs> I can't live up to that expectation, Amy. You live up to all my expectations for me. I'm obsessed with you. So I am going to be talking about... Bridget Bishop and 43 Center Street, Salem, Massachusetts. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Sources, SalemGhosts.com, History.com, GhostCityTours.com, SpookEats.com, SalemWitchMuseum.com, HistoryOfMassachusetts.com, and Wikipedia. The property at 43 Church Street in Salem, Massachusetts has had many distinct lives, the first being that the property belonged to Bridget Bishop. 
Bridget Playfer was born in Norwich, England, sometime between 1632 and 1635. And on April 13th, 1660, she married Captain Samuel Wesselby at St. Mary in the Marsh, Norwich, Norfolk, England. While it's not clear whether Samuel died before or after Bridget moved to New England, it is known that the child she was carrying from that union died in infancy in Massachusetts and that the child's father was already deceased. On July 26, 1666, Bridget married widower and prominent businessman Thomas Oliver, who was also from Norwich. They settled in Salemtown, Massachusetts on a property on Washington Street that included an apple orchard. Aw, right? Very quaint. Yeah. Yeah. On May 8, 1667, the following year, their daughter Christian was born, adding to Thomas's three grown children from his previous marriage. But the marriage wasn't a happy one. The pair fought often. Their fights were severe enough to land them in court on a few occasions. Damn, all right. right. Their neighbor, Mary Ropes, testified that, quote, she had several times been called to her neighbor Thomas Oliver's by himself, but mostly by his wife, to hear their complaints of one of the other. And they both acknowledged that they had been fighting together. Further, she saw Goodwife Oliver's face at one time bloody and at other times black and blue. What? Shit. Yeah. And then said Oliver complained that his wife had given him several blows. End quote. So the couple was known to verbally fight in public, with Bridget oh. seen around town with fresh scratches and bruises. Jesus. So everyone knew what the fuck was going on in this town. Yeah. Which, guys, come on. Come on. Somebody say something. Do something. Yeah. Right. Bridget and Thomas were told to pay a fine or be whipped if they did not pay it on time. <gasps> oh, I forgot. This is like back in back in the whipping days. Fuck. Yeah. This yeah. is the 1600s. Damn. Thomas's daughter paid the fine for her father, but declined to spot the cash for her stepmother. Right? Oh, shit. Cold-blooded. Fucking savage. Right? Right. All right. In 1678, Bridget was brought to court again for not only using, quote, foul language, end quote, towards her then-husband. <laughs> I'd be in so much trouble. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. I mean, <laughs> it would be curtains for me. Oh, yeah. Say. For sure. But for doing so on the Sabbath. Oh. Which, double whammy. I know, right? Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> that wasn't even planned that was perfect which is crass <laughs> she was then ordered to stand with her husband in the public market for an hour with gags in their mouths and paper labels explaining their offenses attached to both of their foreheads I kind of love old timey punishments. I kind of wish we would bring that back. I weirdly think it would be more effective than just like jailing people. Like public shaming. I don't think people realize how effective public shaming really is. For sure. I mean. You know how the story ends. I don't know how the story ends. No, so, no, no. Okay. Of course. But it's interesting that you bring this up because I decided to just randomly watch an old episode of Last Week Tonight specifically about public shaming. Oh, A couple yes. of days ago. And the highlight of the episode was Monica Lewinsky. Oh, yeah. And how she's like, this ruined my life. I I couldn't get a job. I remember which one you're talking about. I feel so, yeah, she did not deserve any of that. She took the brunt of everything and she was not in the wrong at all, really. Absolutely. Yeah, he was the one in the position. Yes. He was the one who was Was married. married. It was 100% on him. Yes. For sure. And, And also, like, maybe she was into him, maybe she wasn't. But when the most powerful person in the world asks you for a beach, you give him a beach. It's you either give him a beach or you know this person has the ability to destroy your life if you say no, no. and he takes yes. it badly. Yes. 
And she said a thing that, and I think that this is the thing that resonated with me that kind of made me very angry in the last episode of Alan versus Pharaoh. So in the episode, John Oliver interviews Monica Lewinsky and, you know, she couldn't get a job because they would see her name on the fucking application. Yeah. No. And he was like, have you ever thought, had you ever thought about changing your name? And she said, Why? I thought about it, but no, because if I gave another name and then I showed up, they'd see it was me. So I'm starting a business relationship off on a lie. And also, why should I? He didn't have to change his name. Exactly. And I'm like, mm. yes. I remember that line. And you're right. It's so... Because they just get away with it unscathed. Yes. Across the board. Yes. She's amazing. There's like, she has like a tweet that like somebody mm-hmm. was like, who's the Monica Lewinsky? And she was it's like, I'm that woman they reference in the 125. Yeah. 125, whatever it songs. is. Rap songs. Like, oh my God. I love her so much for that. For sure. Uh, so I feel you. But you're but, right. But in that case, definitely not. But if you're just public, sh- if we were just publicly shaming Bill Clinton for that, and we didn't sure. publicly shame Monica Lewinsky because she was not really at fault in any way, shape, or form, right? Then yeah, I would totally be on board with fucking public absolutely. Shaming. Yeah, yeah. But I do get that that is there's, a, it's a balance. Yes, and there's a slippery slope that that yeah. doesn't always work. With great power comes great responsibility. Facts. Hashtag Uncle Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Spider Man, not the rice. Spider Man, yeah, not the rice. <laughs> love you. I love you. So here's the thing. These repeated offenses and highly visible punishments obviously didn't help Bridget's image in the village. No. It's not a good look. Because then everyone knows your fucking business. Yeah. I mean, they were already like yelling their arguments in the street. So yeah. Yeah. But this extra. Yeah. Yeah. In 1679, Thomas died and Bridget inherited his estate, which included the house and all of its contents, 10 acres of land and two pigs. All right, that's actually, that's pretty good. It's pretty legit. Yeah. Bridget's daughter with Thomas and the stepchildren received an inheritance of only 20 shillings each. Okay. Which is not I was going to say anything, not that basically. much, yeah. She have to take care of these kids though? Are they grown? What is the... They're adults. Okay. So as a result, just three months after Thomas's passing and Bridget receiving her inheritance, Bridget's stepchildren accused her of bewitching their father to death. Here we go again. All right. Cool. Here we go. Buckle in, kids. A lack of evidence prevented the case from going to trial. Remember that? And it was speculated that the stepchildren's accusation was actually an attempt to get their hands on the property that she had inherited from their father, which fucking obviously. very obviously. A few short years later, Bridget married for a third time to a prosperous and well-regarded woodcutter named Edward Bishop, earning the married name that she'd soon be immortalized under. The bishops continued to live on the Washington Street property that Bridget had inherited lifetime rights to from her previous husband, but it was officially, quote unquote, held for Bridget Bishop by her new husband, Edward Bishop. What? Yeah, so even though it's hers because she's a woman, someone else has to like hold it for her. Oh, okay. Because she can't like legally own property or some shit? I guess, I guess not. Which, whatever, audible eye roll, go fuck yourself. God, the good old days. So much fun. Right? So much fun for everybody. I mean, Bridget continued to be seen as a controversial figure by the townsfolk. She ran two taverns along with her husband, and it is said that she was always seen by friends, family, and guests wearing exotic, brightly colored clothes, which, you know, did not fly with the Puritans, and was something that was associated with the devil, which, what the fuck wasn't at that time? Right? Like, literally fucking everything. You talk too much, you fucking don't work enough, like, you're fucking cursing too much, you're drinking too much, like, anything. It's all the devil. It's all the fucking devil. Yeah. 
1687, Bridget got into trouble with the law again when she was accused by mill owner Thomas Stacy of stealing brass from a local mill and arrested. Bridget claimed she didn't steal the brass, but found it on her property and had no idea how it got there. She also stated that she had sent her daughter into town with the brass to discover what it was, not to sell it, as Stacy had accused her of doing. We don't know the outcome of this trial because there's no surviving records. Regardless, again, none of this is a good look for Bridget. Oh, Bridget. Oh, no. Girl. It's not going to be good. I have you a in danger, girl. Yeah, you're in real <laughs> danger. I was like, I'm guessing by the time period, this is not going to if you're, end well. If you're putting together oh, no. the time period, it's, oh, no. it's not looking great. In February 1692, trouble began in the small Puritan community of Salem, Massachusetts, when nine-year-old Elizabeth Paris and 11-year-old Abigail Williams, the daughter and niece of the Reverend Samuel Paris, began experiencing fits and other mysterious afflictions. A doctor examined the two and naturally concluded that the children were suffering from the effects of witchcraft. Of course. Of course. Very clear medical designation. Yeah. Obviously. Obviously. A diagnosis that the two corroborated. <laughs> yeah. They're Obviously. children. They don't know fucking medicine. They can't corroborate that. Like, like what? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, cool. Under pressure from the doctor and their parents to name names, the girls began to identify those allegedly responsible for their suffering. On March 1st, Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne, and Tituba, a slave from Barbados, became the first Salem residents to be charged with a capital crime of witchcraft. Later that day, Tichuba confessed to the crime and subsequently aided the authorities in identifying more Salem witches. With encouragement from adults in the community, the girls, who were soon joined by other quote-unquote tormented Salem residents, Ann Putnam Jr., Mercy Lewis, Mary Walcott, and Elizabeth Hubbard, accused a widening circle of local residents of witchcraft, mostly middle-aged women, but also several men and even one four-year-old child. Those bitches. Right? What? I mean, we all know a shitty kid, but relax. Yeah, like, come on. I mean, also, preteen girls are literally the fucking worst. They're the, oh my god, I, I would never, you could not pay me enough money to go back to that time. Like, literally, no. I used to be in a murder mystery, like, dinner theater company. I thought you were going to say murder trust. I'm so ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my God. You just want your, I really, your you really want to be in a murder trust. I think that, I denied it before, but it's very clear that that's what, that's what my heart wants. Clearly, we should have named this podcast the murder the trust. murder trust. I can't. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. Okay. I was in this murder mystery dinner theater thing. Amazing. Sure. It's one of those things that's amazing. Like you think about it in practice, it's not because the specific one we did gave way too many audience members way too much power. Oh yeah. And gave them characters and like a book of facts and they had to be invested and play along and not lie. Uh, And that didn't happen most of the time. So the show couldn't continue. Oh my God. And the last one I did was a birthday party and it was either... 13 11-year-old girls or 11 13-year-old girls. I don't Either remember way, which. a nightmare. It was a fucking nightmare. Oh. That there was there's a, a pretty known casting director in New York who used to be in this theater company with me, and I knew her as an actor. And I ran into her again at like an audition or something. And we talked about it. And she said that that was the thing that she was like, I'm done acting. I can't do this again. <gasps> like that was the fucking final straw. That was the final straw. I'm straw good. Oh my was God. preteen girls. They are terrible. <gasps> Agreed. Facts. I mean, yes. Yeah. 
During the next few months, the afflicted area residents incriminated more than 150 women and men from Salem Village and the surrounding areas of satanic practices. And, like, I'm sure the community isn't that populated, so, like, 150 out of what is... Right. That's a huge portion of the population. It has to be. Crazy. It's literally any... Like, it's anyone. Yeah. Ugh. For any fucking reason. Yeah. It's, It's that episode of Black Mirror where it's, like, you can't... If someone's addicted to you, you can't be mean to them because then they're going to fuck up your rating. Yes, exactly. It's like they're going to fucking accuse you of witchcraft. They're going to accuse you of this. Yeah. On April 16th, Mary Warren and Bridget Bishop were accused by the girls. And two days later, complaints were filed against the two, as well as against Giles Corey and Abigail Hobbs. On April 19th, Bridget was arrested on charges of witchcraft by Salem Marshal George Herrick. And that same day was indicted and arraigned on five separate charges of witchcraft. Bridget Bishop was a target of witchcraft accusations for a variety of reasons. There was gossip that she was responsible for the deaths of her first two husbands. She had been previously accused of witchcraft in 1680 when John Ingersoll's slave Juan claimed her specter had pinched him, that she had stolen eggs, and that she had frightened horses. I'm sorry. Yeah. Frightening horses. Yeah. Oh, it's not in this, but one of the things that men used to do is if they couldn't get a heart on, they'd say that a woman they thought was hot yes. spiritually stole their dick. Yes! And it's like, no, maybe you're 40 and, and it just doesn't work anymore. dick doesn't work great anymore. Or Sorry. you just were drinking all night and your dick and doesn't work. And whiskey dick, yeah. Exactly. Great. Yeah, so women would be accused of spiritually stealing someone's dick. It's our fault. Like, I know. Obviously. Ugh. God, smash the picture. Uh, on June 2nd, 1692, the court of Oyer and Terminer, which means to hear and to decide, convened in Salem under Chief Justice William Stoughton to judge the accused. The first to be tried was Bridget Bishop, and perhaps she was tried first because the judges felt that she would be the easiest to convict. Again, thrice-married Bishop was known around town for her dubious moral character as someone who frequented taverns and dressed flamboyantly, again, by Puritan standards. And Bridget was the most accused of all of the alleged witches, with 10 neighbors testifying against her. Damn! The supposed witnesses gave long, detailed testimonies about how Bridget Bishop bewitched them, their family, and or their animals. Several people testified that the shape of Bridget would pinch, choke, or bite them. What? So, like, she would send her spirit to, like, pinch like you. Like, astral projection. Or Essentially, yeah. Yeah. Her shape also threatened to drown a victim if she did not write her name in a certain book. Another woman claimed that the apparition of Bridget tore her coat and upon further examination of the coat was found to be torn in the exact spot, which... Bitch, you tore your coat! You, you tore your coat! like a nail or something coming out of the fucking doorway and like now you're going to blame it on a witch? Like, no! For sure. You know what it probably was? It was probably she came home and her coat was torn because she had done that. And it was like, what the fuck happened? You're going to get in trouble. And I was like, oh, oh, a witch, witch did it. it. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't want to get fuck yourself. I don't want to get the shit beat out of me because, with a fucking paddle or some shit because it's fucking Puritan. Right. Goddamn. Or like whipped in the square for everyone yes, to see. Yes. Like, no. So I'm just going to blame it on the chick who's weird anyway that nobody likes anyway. Yeah. Because she gets into it with her fucking husband. And she wears brightly colored clothes, which... I fucking hate everyone. Oh my god, this is the worst. Other outlandish accusations came from John Lauder, who testified that eight years before, when he had been staying with Bridget's neighbor, John Gedney, Gedney would often quarrel with Bishop about letting her chickens wander into his orchard. 
Shortly after, he claimed Bridget's spirit would attack him at night in his bed, and when he complained to Bridget about this, she threatened him and sent, are you ready for it, black pigs and a talking deformed monkey to torment him. Obviously. Of course, because we have a lot of talking deformed monkeys in New England at this time. And I mean... Yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't that how you how you problem solve everything? Of course, yeah. I've got one in the closet right now. I mean, Without I can't tell you how many HR meetings I've been to. <laughs> that there's a talking deformed monkey there like, as a conflict resolution. What? What the fuck are you talking what the about? Fuck? That's the most made up sounding thing I've ever fucking heard. Like, what? This is insane. Oh, Jesus. People will just fucking believe anything you say back in the day. It's insane. Basically. Louder claimed to see the monkey on another occasion flying in the apple orchard, and he said he knew it was real because the monkey had knocked apples off of the trees as he flew over them. Okay, because okay. sure. apples never fall off the tree naturally. No. Ever. That's no. never happened once. Isaac Newton? Bullshit. Bullshit. He's a fucking liar. He's a clown. Also, this is like flying monkeys. Like literally, this is the fucking Wizard of Oz. Like what is happening right I now? I know. I read this and I'm like... Is this actually real? Right? I was like, is this inspired by? What is happening right (laughs) Right, exactly. Oh my god, okay. Samuel Gray testified that 14 years earlier, Bridget had bewitched his child to death when her spirit suddenly appeared at his house one night. Which, I'm sorry that your kid died. But like, it's the fucking 1600s. It just happens. Yeah, of like anything. It's a bummer. Because it's the fucking 1600s. And you don't like wash your hands or have, yeah, antibiotics. And everyone's fucking disgusting. (laughs) <laughs> it was literally fucking disgusting. And apparently the worst. I- <laughs> so yeah. Right. Cool. Literally. <laughs> cool. Men who had worked on her house in 1685 claimed they discovered puppets stuck with pins in her cellar wall, which this is an example of counter magic. Is a puppet just like a little doll? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I realized that that's what that meant. Mm-hmm. Adorable. Yeah. I'm so a, on the wild thornberries when he was calling them Pookie and Poppet. Poppet, it's a little, uh, it's a little doll. Yeah. Side note, my mom and I call each other that because that's of adorable. Wild thornberries. Too obsessed. Yes. See, when I watched The Crucible with Daniel Day Lewis, okay, and yes. Winona Ryder, yes, fuck yes, get in on it. They go into like poppets, and I was like, <laughs> old timey speak. It's <laughs> puppets, <laughs> you fucking idiots. It's, so it's not. Dumb. It's poppets. It's yeah. a different thing. Okay. All right. I was just probably, timeline-wise, a terrible preteen girl. <laughs> like, I know everything. I know Everyone everything. so stupid. And Joan Allen is calling it a poppet, and it's a puppet. It's a you puppet. bitch. Thanks. <laughs> stupid bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, okay, thank you. You're welcome. They're poppets. And her specter was said to have visited several men at night. Samuel Shattuck, a dyer in Salem Town, and his wife also accused Bridget of bewitching their son and causing his declining health. Which, like, what the fuck? Like, it just uh, happens. It people sucks. are getting sick. Like, it sucks. But, like, you don't have fucking hygiene and sanitizing practices in this day and age. Like, people get sick. Sorry. It's a bummer. That's yeah. why you had 72 kids, because only four of them were going to survive. Exactly. Others claimed that small items went missing whenever she was around. A spoon, money, a mill brass. It appeared that if one argued with Bridget Bishop, trouble and disaster were soon to follow. Okay. I mean, it's just yeah. everyone being terrible. Yeah, everyone being terrible. And it's the 1600s. Life is kind of shit. Shit happens. Stop blaming this woman for all of your fucking problems. Like, But can you imagine oh, living Jesus. in that time? And this is like legit. You're like, yeah. 
even like your medical practices are like, you have a headache? We're going to bleed you. Yeah, we right. We're going to get the bad blood out of there and even out your humors. You're uh, inhaling all this miasma and you're really, yeah, like, like what? And they're like, yeah, this is totally legit. Yeah, you get the vapors, you know. <laughs> Fuck. Throughout the trial, the afflicted girls writhed and convulsed, claiming Bridget was harming them with just a glance. They alleged that she had pressured the girls to, quote, sign the devil's book, end quote, and that she, quote, calls the devil her god, end quote. Sure. Sure, yeah. (laughs) Judge Hawthorne accused Bishop of afflicting the girls, which she denied, saying, quote, I never saw these persons before, nor I never was in this place before. I am as innocent as the child unborn. I am innocent of a witch, end quote. Judge Hawthorne also accused her of bewitching her first husband to death, which, again, she fucking denied. Even Bishop's own current husband claimed that she praised the devil, which, way the fuck to throw someone under the bus. I mean, you know what? That could just be something like he sees someone else wants to fuck her and he's like, well, let me 86 this chick. Or, Or it's a thing that maybe he got in on the mix of like, that they're like, you're a warlock too, and be like... Oh no! Uh, she, yeah. she she was into the devil. Which I was is how say, all of that's this shit him happened. saving his own fucking ass. That's him being like, oh shit, they're gonna fucking they're gonna come for me. They're gonna come for me next because I like because no, he's also she's been innocent. in the fucking town yeah. square. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay, oh, everyone's fucking terrible. Terrible. While the only quote unquote proof against her was unsubstantiated and hearsay, the afflicted girl's behavior was submitted as spectral evidence. With Puritan minister and author Cotton Mather writing quote. There was little occasion to prove the witchcraft, it being evident and notorious to all beholders. Oh, okay, cool. AKA, that's fancy speak of, we don't have to prove shit because literally everyone can see it. Yeah, it's obvious. Obvi. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. I've decided that this is what's happening. Right. Yeah. I've decided this. Cool. And preteen girls have never lied about anything. No, no. Bridget Bishop, along with Elizabeth Proctor, Rebecca Nurse, Alice Parker, Susanna Martin, and Sarah Good, were all subjected to a humiliating physical examination by nine local women and a doctor, after which the examiners reported finding unnatural growths or witch's marks. Bitch, it's a fucking, like, benign tumor, because it's, there's no fucking cure for that or anything. It's not even that. It's literally, like, a mole. Wait, that's what they're talking about? Yes. They're talking about what? any sort of like oh my discoloration God. of your skin. I would so be a birth bu- so fucked. Super fucked. So fucked. I'm like witch central over here. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And because I was like, oh um, my God. what the fuck is this? And what I think it was is that because they were so repressed and they wore the long sleeve everything, they didn't get as much sun exposure. So there were people who didn't have sun damage, which is what a fucking mole is. Mole is. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So if they found that, they were like, oh, you're, there it is. There's the proof. There's the proof. Proof's in the pudding. Oh, She's a fucking witch's part. Ridiculous. Bridget was among those who allegedly bared this brand. Despite okay. her professions of innocence, no one believed her. Again, she had been an easy target of disdain and repulsion. She was married three times. She had rejected the quote unquote woman's role that a 17th century Salem woman should partake in. She wore what she wanted, did what she wanted, and that sort of brazen behavior could not go unpunished. After a trial that lasted anywhere from eight days to just one, because there's conflicting reports, so it was either a day or eight days, Okay. Bridget Bishop was sentenced to death by hanging for bewitching pigs, possessing puppets, sending her spirit to assault the townspeople, 
and Bewitching Five Young Girls, Abigail Williams, Mercy Lewis, Mary Walcott, Elizabeth Hubbard, and Anne Putnam Jr., whose names all coincidentally appear in virtually all of the reports of all of the 1692 witch trials. Wow. Yep. On Friday, June 10th, 1692, somewhere between 8 a.m. and noon, Sheriff George Corwin escorted Bridget from Salem Jail along Prison Lane to Main Street and finally to, quote, a spot of common pasture at the edge of town, end quote, where a crowd had gathered. Bridget Bishop was then, quote, hanged by the neck until she was dead, end quote, on Proctor's Ledge at Gallows Hill. And because she was a convicted witch, she wasn't allowed to be buried on consecrated ground. Oh! So she was buried at the execution site. Oh, all right. I this mean, is I all should, I should have known that, but yeah, that's fucked up. Okay. Yeah. Everyone's fucked up. Everyone's yeah. fucked up. And again, these are Puritans. Yeah. So they're extra Oh, they're fucked. extra fucked up. While Bridget Bishop was not the first to be accused of witchcraft, she was the first to be executed for the crime in 1692. Instead of this first execution bringing people to their senses, her death set off a subsequent wave of witch trials and executions in Salem, wherein over 200 people were accused and tried for witchcraft, resulting in the deaths of 25 people. 19 were hanged, 5 died in jail, and 1, Giles Corey, very famously, was crushed to death. Jesus. In October 1692... Four months after Bridget's execution, Governor William Phipps of Massachusetts ordered the Court of Oyer and Terminer dissolved and replaced with the Superior Court of Judicature, which forbade the type of sensational testimony allowed in the earlier trials and spectral evidence. Executions ceased, and the Superior Court eventually released all those awaiting trial and pardoned those sentenced to death. And with that, the Salem witch trials were over. Here's the thing. If it wasn't fucking bad enough that this poor woman was executed for witchcraft because of her reputation of being immoral and promiscuous and a flamboyant barfly, recent historical records suggest that these things may have not been true at all. What? Fuck. I mean, I'm not surprised because, yeah. Historians have recently realized that the historical record suggests Bridget was a resident of Salem Town and not Salem Village. Quote, The indictments against her clearly note that she was from quote-unquote Salem, which meant Salem Town, as other indictments against residents of Salem Village specified their locations as such. That would mean Bridget was actually not the local tavern owner, and because it's possible she was from Salem Town and not Salem Village, it also stands to reason that she had not known her accusers, as she stated in her deposition when she said, quote, I never saw these persons before, nor I ever was in this place before, end quote. The reason for this mix-up? In both writing and oral retellings, Bridget Bishop was often repeatedly confused with Sarah Bishop. Oh, shit. Another woman accused of witchcraft who lived in Salem Village and who also happened to be the wife of one of Bridget's stepchildren who also happened to be named Edward Bishop. Okay, okay, okay. But can you imagine every, like, that it's, whatever, 500 years later and people are like, she was this and she was that and she was whatever. And she could just be like, no, I was in a super abusive marriage. Yeah. And people were coming for me about it. And I actually wasn't a bar owner and I wasn't a lush and I didn't fucking wear. Because also shit like wearing red, for instance, like wearing a a color like red was expensive as fuck. The dye to get red was really expensive. That's why it's a color of royalty and nobility because they had the money. Puritans were like, I think I'm going to wear a red cocktail dress today. No. No. So can you imagine, like, you live, like, a whatever life, 
two of your husbands die because it's the 16 fucking hundreds and you're in an abusive marriage you get fucking accused of being a witch you get sentenced to death and then for hundreds of years after that they're like she was amoral and out of control yeah people had a problem with that be fucking pissed right exactly dare you drag my name through the mud exactly fuck In 1711, the Massachusetts legislature passed a bill clearing the names of some of the accused and granted restitution to their families. Bishop's family and several others, for whatever reason, did not come forward to accept the restitution nor to be named in the bill, and therefore, their names were not cleared. In 1957, the Massachusetts legislature officially apologized for the Salem witch trials and cleared the names of, quote, one Anne Pudator? Pudator? Choose your own adventure. I don't know. Whichever one. Pronounce that. And certain other persons, end quote, but failed to mention the remaining victims, including Bridget Bishop, by name. In 1992, the Salem Witch Trials Memorial was built in Salem, Massachusetts, and a marker was established for Bridget Bishop. In 2001, the Massachusetts legislature amended the 1957 apology and finally exonerated the remaining innocent victims, Bridget Bishop, Susan Martin, Alice Parker, Wilmot Red, and Margaret Scott, all by name. In 2017, the Proctor's Ledge Memorial was built in Salem, and a marker was established for Bridget Bishop. Given that Bridget Bishop holds the undesirable distinction of being the first person tried and executed during the Salem Witch Trials, you can see why any structure built on top of her once-cherished apple orchard might cause unwanted hauntings for everyone involved. Yeah, shit. Because in case you didn't realize, this is the spooky paranormal portion of the podcast. (laughs) It's a lot of setup, but I hope it has a good payoff. <laughs> I'm thrilled. Let's do okay, this. Amazing. In 1831, the Salem Lyceum Society purchased the land that occupied Bridget's beloved apple orchard, and Lyceum Hall was built on 43 Center Street. The historical structure served as an amphitheater capable of accommodating 700 people and was intended to be a space for education and cerebral entertainment. The Lyceum offered literary readings, discussions, and lectures to both the society's members and the general public. Popular subjects of the lectures were politics and government, arts, science, literature, and philosophy. Over its many years in operation, it held over a thousand lectures, readings, and other forms of entertainment within its walls. Lectures were held every Tuesday with a cover charge of $1 for men and 75 cents for women, given that the women were to be quote-unquote introduced by a male chaperone before they were admitted entrance, which, go fuck yourself. <sighs> cool. Super fun. Love that. I mean, it's never been great, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler. It's the best it's ever been, and it's still... It's still... It still needs We work. got some work to do. Yeah. 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 For six decades, the Lyceum was a Victorian-era magnet for intellectual heavyweights, hosting outside speakers such as former President John Quincy Adams, Horace Mann, Henry David Thoreau, and Ralph Waldo Emerson, who alone contributed almost 30 of those lectures at Lyceum Hall. Emerson used his audiences to gauge the potential success of a certain subject matter and to see if it garnered enough attention worthy of turning it into a book. All right. Right? Yeah. Lyceum Hall also housed the Salem Female Anti-Slavery Society, an abolitionist organization that was notably the first of its kind, founded by and for African-American women. Charlotte Fortin, anti-slavery activist and poet, and Sarah Parker Remond, lecturer and abolitionist, were two members of the Salem Female Anti-Slavery Society. Alongside abolition, they advocated for anti-colonization and desegregation. Fuck yes. Yeah. 
Frederick Douglass delivered a speech at Salem's Lyceum in 1865 on the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. But despite all of the eclectic people who visited it, Lyceum Hall is perhaps most famous for being the location where Alexander Graham Bell placed the first telephone call ever on February 12th, 1877. Oh shit, that's right. Okay, yes. And for those of you wondering, he called his assistant, Thomas A. Watson. Hey. Right, this, isn't this the uh, Ahoy Hoy? Didn't he try to make Ahoy Hoy the, yes, the phone Yes, yes, yes. You're yeah. so right. In 1914, the Great Salem Fire decimated much of the town, including the old wooden Lyceum Hall, which was rebuilt and replaced with the brick structure that stands there today. Its third and latest iteration of 43 Church Street belongs to the world of dining. After the Lyceum's time ended, the building underwent renovations. This remodeling has allowed for the space to act as a bar and restaurant. In 1935, the Lyceum reopened as the Colonial Cafe. By 1973, it was the Lyceum Restaurant and Pub. In 1989, the Lyceum Bar and Grill was opened by George Harrington and remained in operation for many years until finally closing in 2011. In 2013, Turner's Seafood opened its doors at the Lyceum Hall and are the current occupants of 43 Center Street. Curiously enough, there are no known stories from the Victorian era of visitors observing any paranormal activity during the Lyceum Hall days. It was only when the building was used as a restaurant that Bridget Bishops has seemingly returned to her former orchard with people reporting sightings and paranormal activity, with some suggesting that it's due to the restaurant having more of a connection with her apple orchard than a public speaking facility. Since 1989, several visitors and employees have reported seeing a woman in a long white gown that drifts behind her as she walks through the building. The woman has been seen eerily floating above the Lyceum's main staircase. Terry Colbert, a former employee of the property's earlier establishment, told the History Channel that she had spotted the specter of Bridget Bishop. Terry said, quote, It was a busy night. When I came up the stairs and looked up, I saw a woman in a 17th century white dress standing on the other staircase leading up to the loft. I was petrified. My initial thought was that it was a person breaking into the restaurant when I realized she wasn't a regular person. I ran back downstairs and almost fainted, end quote. Holy shit. Patrons have also seen her staring back at them in reflections throughout the building. <laughs> no, thank no, you. No, thank you. No, thank you. From light fixtures to windows to mirrors, anything with a reflective surface seems to invite her gaze upon unwitting guests. Doors have been known to open and close on their own, and lights flicker on and off. Patrons have also reported missing silverware, sometimes having to request additional spoons several times throughout their meal because they don't know where they went. Weird. Yeah. So she's just stealing silverware? Like what? And that was one of the things that they accused her of. Yeah. Stealing spoons, which I don't know. Maybe she was like, I never did it then. I'm going to fucking do Do it now. Do it now. Like, fuck you guys. I got pinched for it. Yeah. So fuck you. I fucking already served my time or my punishment for this crime. Which I fucking feel you. Employees have attested to products being flung from the shelves and boxes once being thrown down the stairs from an unseen specter, as well as the feeling of an unseen presence watching their every move. And I read a lot, obviously I had all the sources, and they kept being like, well, clearly she was a witch because this shit is happening. I'm like, no. Or they're like, she's a demon. I'm like, no, No. she's fucking pissed. Yeah. And also, like, is every ghost a witch or a demon? I don't think so. I also don't know how it works, but I don't think so. 
I don't know how it works, but I don't think so. Yeah. I'd be pissed as shit if this happened to me. Yes. And I was not a witch. I'm like, well, I'm going to fucking be one now. I'm going to haunt all of you. Like, fuck you, motherfuckers. Yeah. Absolutely. Employees of Turner say that they smell more than just seafood. Accompanying Bridget is the overwhelming scent of fresh, crisp apples in the restaurant, <gasps> on the sidewalk, and even in the breezeway behind the what? building leading to Essex Street, all where the original orchard once stood, even though the building has not had an orchard for centuries. Wow, that's so creepy. While Turner's, of course, sometimes has a few apple-centric items on their seasonally rotating menu, the scent of apples weighs in the air regardless of the menu's contents. In 2007, the Atlantic Paranormal Society, which are the people who do ghost hunters, Oh shit, okay, yes. Attempted to contact the spirits of the Lyceum during an investigation. While they didn't hear any voices, they heard the antiquated cash register go off. When they went over to investigate, the cash register had printed a receipt time-stamped, good morning, even though the register had been programmed to print that phrase. When they later presented their findings to the manager, he was unable to provide an explanation. <gasps> Chills. That's fucking creepy. Right? That's so creepy. Okay. So a few weeks ago, when it was the last time that I had the paranormal story. Yes. You thought I was going to do a personal story. I did think you were going to do a personal story. So the whole reason I'm doing this story is because I have a personal story. <gasps> Tell me. Okay. Yes. I'm so excited. <laughs> Fuck. Girl, I got you. Oh my God. I couldn't leave you hanging like that. Even oh though it was like God. three weeks in between. Yes. Monique does not disappoint. I think we had that earlier. <laughs> Never. I'm so glad. You're here for it. I love it. So a few years ago, I believe it was 2018, Donna, Nellie, and I went to Salem okay. because we had never been. Amazing. Right. You have to go. Yeah. Absolutely. And Donna, Nellie, and I travel a lot together. We just travel really well together. And even though Nellie is a, is a scaredy cat, she's down to clown with like witchy shit and tarot shit and psychic shit. So it's a little less scary than like staying in a haunted house or something. I can get exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. It's like moderation. Exactly. Yeah. So there was this thing of like, let's go to Salem in October. And I was like, um, fuck, fuck yeah. yeah. And Kara, who is one of Donna's students, also came with. And I probably met Kara at a party, but I didn't really remember okay. her. So it was like, okay, this other chick is going to go on the trip. Amazing. Fantastic. And Kara kind of reminds me a bit of you because she was a very much raised of there is no afterlife. There is no nothing. Everything is logical. Be logical. If you do anything that's not logical, you're a fucking idiot. Not saying that your family raised no, you that, that way. that is 100% how my family raised okay. me. Okay. Yeah. 100 fucking percent. Yes. So this is Kara's whole vibe. And not going to lie, it's kind of a huge downer. Oh, it's really, yeah, no, I've had to like <laughs> moderate myself because I realized like that's not fun for anybody. So. And we're yeah. going to Salem and like going yeah. to get tarot read and shit. It's not, Consider your audience. For sure. Yeah. Exactly. And we had decided to go the week before Halloween because we're like, because I, I believe Halloween was either a Thursday or Friday that year. Okay. So we're like, well, that weekend's going to be a shit show. So we're going to go the week before. No, fun fact, the week before Halloween is the most packed week in Salem out of the entire year. Oh, shit. Okay. Give shit a goog. We did not. And we paid for it. <laughs> So it's the first day and we all go, there's a, a, a great place called Omen and they hold a psychic emporium. So you yes. can go and there's like a billion psychics there and you like sign up with one of them and you do tarot or past life or whatever the fuck. So we all got our readings done and I got a reading that was very infuriating because it, it brought up a gentleman and I was like, I just want to know how my career is going. 
What the fuck? <laughs> no, it was 2019 because I asked about my career and nothing was really mentioned. And I assumed it to be like, your career is going to be fine. What I didn't realize was that it was a few months away from 2020. That's what and that was. Yes. And it was like, <laughs> hey, uh, yeah. So it's like, we're not going to talk about that. Let's talk nothing about this guy. Nothing much is going to be happening. And I'm like, yeah. ugh, fine. fine. This fucking asshole. <laughs> fine. And so, of course, we all get our readings done and we come back and it was like, you know, so how was your reading? And blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And Kara was just like, I mean, whatever. You know, I guess she guessed some stuff. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, very kind of Debbie Downer. Yeah, illogical. dismissive. Dismissive. Yeah, okay. yeah, totally. So that night we go on a ghost tour, which is me living my best fucking life. Hell yes. And Donna living her best life. Nellie's a trooper. She's yeah, she's along for the ride. She's along for the she's ride. It out. Even though she's she's a scaredy cat, it's just stories so she can yeah, handle it. Yeah, and you're there to protect her. Everyone's together. Exactly. Yeah. So we all go and the ghost tour is great. And I think we had stopped at, I'm certain we'd stopped at a liquor store because I'm a lush. So I'm like, I need a drink in the hotel. Yeah. And if you guys want to partake, great. But it's also cheaper than like going to some bar. And also you can't go anywhere because Salem is very, very small. And what we found out was in October, they don't accept reservations to anything. Uh, okay. So it's literally like a five hour wait to get anything. (gasps) They don't accept like takeout. You can't do delivery. You can't. And we're like, okay, fine. What are we going to do? Let's go to a cemetery. Not in October. You cannot go to a cemetery in October unless you have a tour that you are a part of. Jesus. Literally, okay. all we kept hearing was not in October, that it became a running joke of not, not October. October. Yeah. So don't go to Salem in October. P.S. Okay. Also, you're probably not going to miss out on anything because their main export is witches. So like the witch museum is there all year round. So go yeah. like in November or August. And enjoy yourself and don't be stressed out. By and don't be stressed years. out yeah. and be able to make a fucking reservation to yeah. eat. So we go on this ghost tour and they mention the apple orchard. We stop by, by where the apple orchard would have been. Okay. And... Nellie, being the expert googer that she is, is like, okay, we need to like figure out how to eat tomorrow because we can't be waiting for five hours to like eat anything. We have yeah. to like actually eat shit. So she finds Turner Seafood, and because Turner Seafood, we believe, has reservations, they were like, it's not reservations; it's a requested seating list. Which this is what it says on their website. Turner's operates on a requested seating list, open parentheses, all caps, not a traditional reservation, close parentheses. Your name is on our list for tables estimated to open about the time of your request. Please check in with the house upon arrival and we do our best to seat you within 15 minutes and your party is complete. That's a fucking reservation. Reservation, is it not? Yeah. What? Okay. Semantics. Sure. Semantics and that when we left the restaurant... Nellie, because she's a delight and like a good customer service person, was like, thank you so much for being the only place in Salem that has reservations in October. And it was like, they're not reservations, they're requested seating lists. And it was like, thank you and move on. Thank you. I understand mass holes are a thing, but like, don't be a thing. Yes. Just, right. Just be polite. So we're at this restaurant and apparently they have a great lobster bisque. Oh, love a good lobster bisque. Okay. Live for lobster oh Like it's award so, winning. Yeah. Oh my God. So good. Okay. So between the lobster bisque and the clam chowder. Okay. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go fucking rogue. Both. And I'm going to order both. Oh, yes. Living on the motherfucking Two edge. soups. I love it. Two soups. That was my meal. <laughs> She's fucking balling over here. I fucking love it. Fuck yeah. Oh. Two fucking soups. I'm like, I am literally living my best motherfucking life. If, in case you don't know me and I haven't mentioned it before, 
I love a soup. It is my favorite meal. Yes. Situation. I love and I live for a soup. So me ordering two different soups as a lunch is literally me living my best motherfucking life. And because Donna's a delight and doesn't judge me, she jumps on that fucking train too. Hell yes. Fuck yeah. So I'm having my soup and my soups. (laughs) Plural. Plural. (laughs) And I start feeling really jittery that my hands literally start shaking and I'm having difficulty swallowing the soup. And I was just like, well, maybe I drank too much last night, which I didn't. I'm a lush. But, I, but, but like, I'm like, you're very aware of your own limitations and like how much you've had. Yeah. For sure. And it was like two glasses of red wine. Okay. In like no, the no, hotel. no, 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 no. But, but I'm like, okay, okay, maybe this is what's happening and whatever. We're going about our, our lunch and we're chatting. And then Kara just goes, I'm sorry. And just brings the conversation to a halt. She's like, I'm sorry. I can't breathe, and this entire time I felt like someone has been sitting on my chest, and this woman's apple orchard, who was the first one to be executed, is literally right outside of the window of where we're having lunch. And I can't not have it in my mind that those two things are related. What? And this is the super rational. This is the super rational one. And then I was like, oh, that's interesting, because I actually am having difficulty swallowing. And then Nellie goes... Oh, that's interesting because I'm having difficulty swallowing. <gasps> Chills. Oh, no. And then Nellie, because she has a seafood allergy, but it's like some seafood, she chalked it up to that. And she didn't think anything of it. She's thinking, okay, there's some sort of cross-contamination. And My that's, throat's so getting it's like, irritated. It's right. getting swollen, whatever. Okay. And All four of you? Well, Donna's like, nothing ever fucking happens to me. And she's devastated <laughs> that she's not choking to death. <laughs> During lunch. <laughs> so unfair. I want to not be able to breathe. Like, God damn it. She's like, nothing ever fucking happens to me. Oh my God. And then we started having a, because Kara has a lot of anxiety. And I was like, look girl, like I'm not a shrink, but if you're raised your whole life, that what you're feeling and seeing isn't real, I don't see how you can't have anxiety. That's a very good point. Okay. Because she was someone that when I met her, I definitely got the vibe of like, oh, this is a powerful witch. So when oh, she was like, no. this is bullshit. I'm not about this. I was yeah. very like, oh, really? Okay. Okay. And then her saying, I literally feel like I'm strangled. I feel like there's someone on my chest. I can't fucking breathe. Was like, holy shit. Right. But her logical brain is like, I'm having a panic attack for some reason. Right. Or something, whatever well, she's talking about. Well, it wasn't even that. She was like... I can't get over the fact that th- I'm feeling this very viscerally. And I know And this I happened. know that this happened mm. because last night we went on this ghost tour where they said that this property belonged to the first person who was hanged. Killed, for, yeah. For hanged specifically. Oof. I swear to you, I swear to you, the second we got off of that property, everything went away. Everything was fine. Yeah. I could breathe. I could swallow. Like everyone was fine. Like nothing. Like nothing weird yeah and it's a thing that that incident and the rest of the trip like completely switched care around really she's like she believes now she's oh my god other my end. favorite and she is basically kind of realizing now like how powerful she is oh shit like she moved she moved away like six months ago okay and we we're like oh you you probably like no everyone was kind of like this isn't a great idea Okay. But for whatever reason, she felt like she needed to leave. So she moved across the country. Okay. 
And of course, she was there a very short amount of time where she was like, this isn't a great idea and I want to move back. Yes. But, you know, moving is a huge, like, it's a huge undertaking if you're moving just to another fucking apartment. Yes. Let alone across the country, then you have to, like, get a job and the work situation currently is not great. And she was like, you know, it'd be cool if I got my job back, my old job back. She calls the next day. They give, not only did they give her her old job, they give her a raise. (gasps) And then she's like, okay, well, I need to find an apartment, but I really loved my old apartment and it'd be really cool if I got that back. Shut the fuck up. Yep. She sure did. No way. Yeah. In New York. Well, uh, she lives in Connecticut. Okay. But like... Still. No, like someone else was living in that apartment and they are moving out now. What? I'm telling you. She's a very powerful witch. She's a powerful witch. And she's just like, I mean, yeah, it's kind of funny. she didn't know it for fucking so long. Forever. Because she was told none of that's real. Nothing is real. It's only what you could see, smell, and taste, and touch. And if you are seeing something else, you're the one who's fucked up and there's something wrong with you. Yeah. That's why I am rational up to a certain extent. I know. I, I'm turning you, girl. You are girl. <laughs> one episode at a time, okay? And closer and closer every You know day. what's the funny thing? That's actually not remotely my intention. No, never. No. Honestly, I wouldn't hang out with you if it yeah, were. Course, if you were, like, constantly trying to convert me. You're just always, like, I mean. I'm like, this thing happened to me. Yeah. Th- it, whatever. What you want to believe. Yeah. I just super enjoy your company and... You're one of very few people that enjoys talking about things like this. Oh my god, it's my fucking favorite. But I, I see it. I see you turning, girl. I mean, shit is, is the Wicked Society still shit. open? <laughs> Amy, <laughs> Amy's gonna sign up soon. I'll take, I'll take my book out of a box somewhere. I'll, I'll read to chapter three this time. You got me. So that is Fuck. the story and my story. Yes, of Bridget Bishop and. 43 Center Street in Salem, Massachusetts. Oh my God. I love that so much. I got a history lesson and I got a personal story. Yes. Ah, I've been wanting a personal story for a while, you guys. So I'm I'm super pumped about this. Because I decided to do the story specifically because of the personal story. I'm like, I need to give Amy a personal story. Yes, please. She she wanted one. And then I was reading the things. I'm like, those are kind of creepy. But I'm like, I feel like mine is way way creepier. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we all were fucking hanged, hanged. essentially. And Donna's pissed that that didn't happen. That's <laughs> Donna. I get it. I'm with you. <laughs> I'd be pissed too. Be like, wait, is everybody else feeling a thing? I'm not. I'm left out again. Like, oh, okay, fine. I'm not spiritually being hanged. <laughs> God damn Why it. Why not me? Why not me? <laughs> I like nice things too. Yes. <laughs> but that was a thing that literally. I think we were a block away from the restaurant and it was gone. Like oh, it was gone. The jitters were gone. So I could crazy. And yeah. I don't have a seafood allergy. Like it, Nelly completely gone. All of us except Donna, obviously it's, it's gone. Fuck dude. And especially since the thing that I feel gives credence to it is that we were all having the same experience to, except independently, for Donna, independently for sure. And two of us didn't think it was that thing. Yes, you were blaming it on uh, drinking too much. the night before. Yeah, and because Nelly basically, was I'll get jittery. Yeah, when I'm at the point of alcohol poisoning. Yeah, which that two glass, two plastic cups of red wine of red not, wine. No, is not the point of alcohol poisoning. Monique Sanchez throws them down. I was like, I don't even bottle of wine. The whole bottle is probably not even no. at that level yet. No, no. I mean, if I ate, no. Yeah, no. I wouldn't have a great time if I didn't eat, but I'm not. I wouldn't even be jittery then, realistically. 
have an iron constitution. There you go. Iron yes. Mike, I'm coming for you, baby. Iron Monique over here. I love it. <laughs> iron Mo. I love it. Yes. That has quite a ring to it. I like that it. Ring to it. Yeah. Fuck, that was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I love personal stories. Noted. Well, it's just, that's why I need a personal banshee story. Like, I need somebody who believes to convince me. Because otherwise, I can just chalk it up to anything. I can be like, yeah, yeah you're like, this yeah. is some asshole on Reddit. Yeah, whatever. and this is some fucking Barnell. Like, you, but you don't know Barnells, clearly. Except they all do. Except they do. Apparently, <laughs> they know Barnells, yeah. I need a banshee story so fucking bad. Right? Somebody, help a, help Guys, a girl out. Like, I need it. I didn't know I needed it until Amy's story. Yep. And now I fucking need it. Yep. My life will be complete <laughs> if I get a banshee story. You want to make us happy. Like, make us happy. And here's the thing. It takes so little. We're very easy to please, honestly. For sure. 10,000%. <laughs> I don't need fucking jewelry. I want a goddamn banshee story. <laughs> I don't I, ask for much. I want a banshee story and I want the fucking 12 foot tall skeleton from Home Depot. Yeah. I'm a woman of simple <laughs> tastes. That's all I want. That's all I want. I should have expected that and somehow I didn't. And that is amazing. That's so perfect. Yes. Oh my God. I dated this guy in Key West and in front of his apartment, they had it. And I was like, oh "Oh my God. And the eyes light up blue. It's Uh, all I want. It's all I want. That sounds glorious. I'm not going to lie. And it's one of those things that I would have year round. And it'd be like, yeah, take a left. Yeah. At the the apartment. At the 12 foot skeleton. The 12 foot skeleton. You know where I live now. You know. She's the one who lives in the house that has a 12-foot skeleton oh all year God. round and dresses it up for different, like, 4th of July and shit. Fuck yes. That's Fuck yes. brilliant. Yeah, like an Uncle Sam. Yes. Like, top hat and, like, like beard situation oh. and point them to, like, we want you. Come on. This is my... Guys, make my dream come true. Oh, my God. Could you, like, an Easter one? Little Easter bunny? Like, there's so... The possibilities are endless. They're endless. Oh, We could put, great. like, a tree next to him for Christmas and he could be decorating oh. the tree. Guys, I got to plan out. This is fantastic. Okay. (laughs) All right. Noted. It's going on the list. Oh, yes. That list has been written down in ink. (laughs) So it's a vicious fuck. Sharpie that bitch. (laughs) This is permanent. God damn it. I love that so much. I'm so glad. Of course. Do you have a a a story? I got a story for you. I got a little little true crime for you. Before you get into your story, I realized I'm such an asshole. Why? No. Because... We got our first piece of mail. No, we did not. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yes. Did we really? We did. Oh my god. <laughs> Wait, this is a real No. Yes. This is a real envelope that <laughs> literally is addressed to another fucking horror podcast. I can't handle my life right now. <laughs> Can I open it? Yeah, but yes. I, I opened it already, but like, so what's in there is for you. Oh my god. Wait. For real? <laughs> yeah. This is the fucking tits, dude. Right? This is so amazing. Jen Jen. from Murder Mittens, Inc. Thank you so, 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 so much. so much. For the Plague Doctor (gasps) stickers that say Morbid AF. They are so cute. They're so amazing. Obsessed. I'm figuring out a way to hang this where we record our podcast because I need to see this all of the time. I literally am like... I don't want to put it on the thing. I want to put it like on a piece of paper yes, that I like can frame it. hang somewhere. 
Girl, I was just thinking the same fucking thing. Jen! Jen, you're amazing. You're amazing! Thank you so, so much. Thank you! Follow her on Instagram at yes. Murder Mittens, like what you put on your hands. Murder Mittens, Inc. Yeah. She has a bunch of really cute stuff, really cute stickers. She has these cute... Acid wash tees, right? Acid wash yeah, tees. Yeah, for sure. <gasps> I feel like so official and grown up right now. I I'm like giddy. Oh my God! It's this very exciting. Amazing. This is the best surprise. <laughs> I like can't handle my life right now. I love this so much. Yeah, girl. So yeah, guys, if you want to send us mail, Amy will get super fucking excited about that. I mean, well, you missed my initial reaction because I yes. opened it a few days ago, but <laughs> I'm sure you also Monique got very will excited. also be very excited. We'll put on the Instagram where you can send us something yes. if you want to. No pressure. If you want to. But we like things, we get excited. Yeah. Hey. Oh my god, that made my fucking day. Yes. Jen, thank you. And Monique for bringing this Jen's to my attention. amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much. Everyone's amazing. I love our fans. I still can't get over it to this day. That's just like everyone's so nice and amazing and yeah. supportive and like encouraging. And it's just, it's fucking great. It's great. And it's bizarre. It is. But it's just... like, this is why we do this. So I like, I, I love that. I, I love that. Yeah. And I love that people are happy. Fuck yes. They, we get messages of like, I've been looking forward to this all week. And I'm like, oh, yes, I like I just want to bring joy to people's lives and give you like a little bit of an escape. Yeah. Away from the world. Exactly. Come to my true crime den with me. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. I love a nice den. <laughs> Opium, I, true crime, whatever you exactly, want to do. Whatever kind of say. den you want. Yeah. Well, I think people up north, they have, like around New England, they have dens, They right? do have real dens. I went like, automatically to Opium yes. Den. Of course, <laughs> as I did too. Come on. I can blame it on watching the Nick, but now it's just because that's who I am. I also did a paper on the opium wars in eighth grade because Aww. I uh, just didn't want to have friends, apparently. <laughs> I would have totally been your friend. I'm like, yes, please. I know. Well, you know, we caught up. We did, eventually. 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 What's for you will not pass you. Monique with her quotes. I love a quote. Ah, oh, you have the best ones too. Thanks. Mine are always like half remembered nonsense <laughs> that I'm just like, this is close. I don't know who said it. Fuck. Okay. You know, they just nail it. I'm yeah. Not gonna, I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna come up with a thing. So I gotta, re- <laughs> I gotta memorize the yeah. thing and impart their wisdom upon the others. And then everyone's super fucking impressed because right? like, not only did you say this beautiful thing, but like you memorized a quote from somebody. I mean, I'm an actor, so memorizing is part of the gig. <laughs> <laughs> don't say don't say that don't no you're amazing okay yeah. thank you you're amazing <laughs> all right well welcome to my true crime den guys yes we're, amy's true crime den we're going in so today i'm going to tell you the unbelievably badass story of lisa mcfay okay sources aneTV.com, which they have an interview with her that is absolutely amazing i highly recommend going to read it Fox13news.com, chillingcrimes.com. I'm not really sure how to reference this, but I watched a video on YouTube that was called Survivor Lisa McVeigh Opens Up About Attack, which was from a show called Mark of a Killer on Oxygen, and it was like a little highlights reel. Oh, okay. Also used biography.com and good old Wikipedia. Also, it might go without saying, but since the story pretty much like starts out at an 11, I feel the need to give a heads up. So trigger warning trigger for warning things. for like a lot of things. Cool. Lisa McVeigh was born in 1967. And while there aren't many details available about her early years, by her own account, she did not have a good childhood. Mm. Her mother was hard up for money and they didn't have a lot. At times they were homeless and living on the streets. 
She was in and out of foster care, and since the story takes place in Tampa, I'm assuming that's where she grew up. Lisa describes her teenage years as quote-unquote unbearable. Oh, fuck. She was always depressed and sad. When she was 14, her grandmother got the great idea to have Lisa move in with her and her boyfriend. Lisa started working Wait, at- I'm sorry, the grandmother's boyfriend? Grandmother's boyfriend, yes. Okay. Lisa started working at a nearby Krispy Kreme donut shop. Mm. Amazing. Delicious. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I literally gain weight just like walking by. Just smelling it. I'm like, oh. there are five pounds and I regret nothing. Nothing. If the hot now sign is on, I will literally U-turn and turn around and go back in to fucking eat a Krispy Kreme donut. A hot Krispy Kreme because they're fucking amazing. They opened one semi-recently in Times Square. Yes! Which is... I got so excited. Oh my God. Like irrationally excited. I was working on a show when it opened like literally parallel down the street mm. from it and we just saw Dangerous. this huge line it was like what the fuck is this it was like they opened a crispy cream oh my god oh my god i have a pet peeve about things that are spelled intentionally incorrectly because they think they're being cute and this is my one exception to this rule i do not fucking no, I'm care obsessed. you can spell it with k's however much you want because they're fucking delicious you could put silent f's in there i don't give a fuck i don't give a shit they're exactly it. thank you yep I used to dream as a child about just getting run under the hot glaze. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if you've ever been to a Christmas that... you've watched the hot glaze machine, like, oh my god, it was my dream. I just wanted that to be covered in hot glaze. not where I thought that story was going. <laughs> no one ever thinks it's going there. I'm obsessed. Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, all right. That was a fun, funny little side note, but now, now it's going to get real. It's gonna real and it's gonna, yeah, so enjoy your laughs while you have them. <laughs> So, starts working at a nearby Krispy Kreme and rides her bicycle to work every day. One day, Lisa's grandmother came to her and said that her boyfriend was interested in Lisa <gasps> and that he was going to show her how to please a man. <gasps> Lisa said, quote, I was 14 years old. I did not know or understand what she was talking about. What? Oh my God. End quote. Why is everyone fucking garbage? Everyone is fucking garbage. And... Over the next three years, oh my God. her grandmother's boyfriend brutally attacked <gasps> and raped her, often at gunpoint. Oh my God. With her grandmother's knowledge. Oh my God. Trash Guys, we are literally like one paragraph into this fucking story. One paragraph into the story. Oh my so, God. Oh my God. Get your fucking I told you. ready. It's Fuck. at an 11 immediately. Oh. oh my God. And she's fucking living there. She's living there. Oh my God. She's living there. Lisa. As, as opposed to with her mother on the street, because this is a better... Oh, because the mother was on the street? Yeah. Oh, fuck. So yes, she was 14 when this started. She's gone through three years of just brutal torture and attack and rape this oh whole time by her grandmother's boyfriend. I don't... Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, girl. And maybe you get into this. Maybe you don't. Because I don't understand how you can date someone like that. I have no fucking I have idea. no idea. And... I don't get I, into it. I don't have information on, like, why that was right. so fucked up. But, like... Ugh. I could even kind of sort of rationalize a stranger. But your fucking granddaughter... Granddaughter? Your daughter's daughter. And, like, you come to her and you just lay it out, like, oh, he's gonna show you how to fucking please me. Like, what? Ew! Like, no. Why was her response not, ew, that's disgusting, she's 14 years old, also, get the fuck out of my fuck house. Yourself. Yeah. I really... She was just like, oh, okay, sure, yeah, you can fuck my 14-year-old granddaughter. Yeah, of course. I really... And I could be wrong, and if I am, lovingly come for me about it. 
But I really think that this is like a, a self-esteem, self-love issue of not having enough like self-respect to be like, this dude's proposing this to yeah. me. And instead of being like, go fuck yourself. You're like, I want to keep him so I better So that this. I have a man. So yeah, I guess it's, but everything else is so great. Spoiler, it's probably fucking not. Yeah. But it's this thing that we have put on people to be in relationships that if they're not in one, there's something wrong with them. Yes. And people get stuck in relationships that are terrible because we've all been collectively brainwashed of so that is better. That's the ideal. Yes. That's the ideal. Even if it, everyone has their flaws, but if you're not in one, it has to be, there's something wrong with you and no one wants you. Who's go- And especially if she's older, yes. who's going to want you? Yes. I'm not excusing any of this. No, no. But like, you want to know like what is the rational like i cannot imagine a rational person being like yeah this is fine this is okay so like what is the fucking rationale for this i like it's this is actor brain taking over of like what is what's the motivation (laughs) what is what why why is this happening why is this happening why is this happening no you as humans you want to know because it's abnormal you should exactly should not be the norm at all so i don't subscribe to the like they were just born evil no no there's a lot of shit that happens shit happens like no one is like i had a great childhood and then this happened and then this happened yes and if they do it's usually for money for money or or then you find out p.s they didn't yes that a la ted bundy yeah there you go exactly guys we're paragraph in fuck i know brace yourself at 17 years old after three years of horrible abuse and still living with her abuser lisa mcveigh had had enough lisa said quote i came to terms of being done with my life i felt disgusting i felt betrayed I felt like a nobody. I was so tired of living, so tired of being hurt. I had no way out. I have no one to trust. I had nowhere else to go. Oh my God. I know. I just want to give her like every hug and be like, girl, girl, I got you. What do you need? What do you need from me? Yes. Oh my God. The quote continues. I wrote a suicide note. Oh my God. And when I went to work that day, I felt exhilarated. I had a plan. I was going to put a bullet in my head when I got home. End quote. Ugh. And she's like, great. I don't have to deal with it. She's anymore. like, amazing. This yeah. is this is like bringing her joy. The thought of this yeah. is like, I'm just going to be done with this whole situation. Like, I don't have to deal with it anymore. No one's going to hurt me anymore. This you, is the answer to all my problems. Yeah, you. That's not uncommon for people who complete suicide. Yeah. I I knew someone who's like grade school teacher did that. And the really? day before was like happy as a clam, right as rain, like yep. giving away her like pencils and pens to the kids. And they're like, yeah, cool, whatever. And then the next day it was like, oh, geez. Because you see a light that. at yeah. the end of the tunnel to, yeah. to whatever fucked up thing is happening. Like, oh my God. Like, this is the resolution. Like, I won't have to feel I whatever have to I'm do this feeling anymore. anymore. Yep. Oh my God, you poor bunny. Oh my God. Heartbreaking. On the night of November 3rd, 1984, Lisa worked a double shift at Krispy Kreme. She got off around 2 a.m. and hopped on her bike to head home. Pedaling her bicycle down a dark, empty road, she says she remembers being happy because she knew she was going to go home and just end it all. Oh my god. As she was passing by a church, someone grabbed her from behind (gasps) and dragged her off her bike by her neck. (gasps) Lisa starts screaming, but he immediately puts a gun to her left temple and tells her to shut up or he'll blow her brains out. Oh my fuck. Lisa said, quote, It was nothing new. My grandmother's boyfriend used to put a gun to my head too. Oh my god. End quote. Like, I gave myself chills reading that because, like, that's, one, horrifying, but also, like, the most, like, cold, badass thing you could have fucking, like, thought or said about the situation. It's just, like... This ain't shit to me. This ain't shit to me. Like, you're not the fucking first person to pull a gun on me. Like, what? You think that's gonna be scare me? Also, literally, from sentence two of this story, my hand has been on my forehead. (laughs) 
the entire time. <laughs> yes. She's very animated this, this whole story already. In that moment, it was like a switch had been flipped. Lisa said, quote, I had stopped feeling suicidal right then, and I wasn't going to let somebody else kill me either. Fuck yeah. End quote. Yes, queen. She's amazing. Lisa, you're a fucking badass. Lisa, trying to remain calm, tells the man, I'll do whatever you want. Just don't kill me. He throws Lisa into his car and ties her up. Oh my God. He gags her and ties a blindfold around her head. Lisa says she tightened her jaw while he was tying it. So when she relaxed, there was a little space below where she could see out. Fuck yes. So smart. I like didn't even think that that was like a thing you could even do really. Which now I know for the future. Oh, just yeah. in case. That's been added to the <laughs> back pocket. <laughs> Spiled away. Yeah. Good to know. Immediately, she starts looking for any identifying marks she can tell the police if she makes it out of this alive. Fuck yes. I'm obsessed with you, Lisa. Fucking like I'm giving myself chills this already. She's incredible. She notices that his car has white seats yep. and dark red carpet, and she sees the word Magnum on the dashboard. Yep. If you're wondering how she managed to think so quickly on her feet and notice all of those details, Lisa said, quote, I watched a lot of crime shows. Fuck yes! Girl, you'd be surprised about the survival skills you have when you're in a position like that. End quote. One of us. Yes! One, One of us! <laughs> yes! She's fucking amazing. The man orders Lisa to strip, which she does, and asks her how old she is. She lies and tells him she's 19. He tells her that as long as she does what he wants, he won't kill her. He forces her to perform oral sex, and she says she remembers thinking, quote, I've been sexually abused for three years. What's one more time? Oh, my God. But also, if I make it out of this alive, I'll never let anyone do this to me again, end quote. Fuck, yes. Afterwards, he starts driving, and she knows they're going north. The windows in the car are down, and because of the wind velocity, she knows they must be on the interstate. Mm -hmm. She notices the car is rattling like it needs an oil change. She says they only drove- I wouldn't know any of this. I wouldn't know any of this. I wouldn't know any of this. I'd be like- I'm so, like, to stay just calm and collected and just be like, all right, notes, details, like, I'm taking all the information, like, as much as I fucking can, like, the wherewithal, like, I can't. Literally, when I get a notification that my Uber is coming, they're like, it's a Nissan, whatever the fuck. I'm like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that looks like. What color is the car? (laughs) Oh, is it silver like every other fucking car? (laughs) Well- I'm just going to, I'm going to roll the dice I'm just, I'm just gonna get and hope car. that this is my car. <laughs> That's how you end up dead. <laughs> That's why I don't fucking Uber except from here, girl. <laughs> because it's the only car on the road when I leave here. That is a fact. Yes. It's a fact. And also I'm like, text me when you get home because I, I need to make sure. She says they only drove about 20 minutes before he stopped near the woods. She could see leaves beneath the blindfold. He orders her to get dressed, then grabs her arm and starts walking her towards a building. When they go inside, she notices the carpet is predominantly green with yellow and red specks. She's counting each step he makes her take. He takes her upstairs, 19 steps, and then takes a quick left, then a quick right. Lisa realizes it must be an apartment building. She can see he has a black revolver in his left hand. I am obsessed with this chick. Lisa, you're my fucking hero. so amazing. I love it. And the fact that like all of this takes place in Tampa, which like I lived right north of Tampa. I used to say Tampa, but Land O'Lakes. The uh, butter. The butter for so long. So like this is like right in my backyard and I fucking, I'm here for it. When this is 70s, 80s? Yes, this is 84 when this is taking place. Okay. So yeah, I was not there during this time. That's okay. But, yeah, I was not born during this time, to be fair. Uh, depending on what month it was, I might have still been cooking for my mother. Hey. 
If it was in the winter, I was definitely just a meatloaf not doing anything. Because all November, I did was so eat you might have been yeah. November? Mm-hmm. Oh, then I was around. There you go. At least, hey. at least for two days. Hey. So the 29th. Yeah. Three days. <laughs> yeah, Monique is like five days old when this happens, I think. Because this is November yeah. 3rd. If so. not, I would have done something. <laughs> she would have helped. I wouldn't have. I can't even help friends of mine when they're in a crisis. I'm like, I want to. Call someone else. But my brain is not allowing me to because I'm a freeze in the fight or flight situation. I'm just not the person for you in this scenario. Like, I'll, I can maybe do a 911 call. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> That's what and it And then takes. be like, <laughs> <laughs> Trace the signal. I don't know what to do. What to tell you. But I will say, I am learning from stories like this. Yes. And from other stories that I've heard on other podcasts about if I'm in a situation... Girl. This is what the fuck you do. I know. Oh, I love it. I'm fucking here for it. I hope I never have to use any of this information ever, Same. obviously. But like, I do hope that if I do, it serves me well. Fuck. Yeah. Mm. Once inside the apartment, the man again orders Lisa to undress. He puts her in the shower and takes her blindfold off, telling her not to look at him. She doesn't, but does manage to see that he has short brown hair. He washes her, puts her blindfold back on, then throws her onto the floor and rapes her. After, he ties her up again and puts her in a bed, which she notes is a waterbed. She says that- <laughs> The 80s were a the time, The 80s man. were great. My fucking parents had a waterbed, and I thought the thing was the coolest god. I, it was like a game for me. I'd be like, can I play on the waterbed? Like, I just want to go and, like, feel the waves. It's it great. It was one of those things that my, my childhood best friend's parents had one. And even then, I was like- What are you doing This is this? some, like, sexy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it was my parents' waterbed, so like I don't want to think about that. But yeah, that's the reason you're here, baby. That is very true. Sort of waterbeds, motion of the ocean, motion of the ocean. There you go. (laughs) Oh my god, it was hard to even lay on. So I can't even imagine like the logistics of the fucking in it. But I remember laying on my friend's parents' bed and being like, and I knew immediately it was sexy. Like I knew it was like this is this is what sexy people do. Yes. And just like I knew, my parents had an apartment that was their first apartment, and I don't know if it was like that when they lived there. Oh, God. I'm certain it was, because they owned the apartment, but there was mirrors on the ceiling. Oh, definitely. A sexy of, thing. Yep, 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 yep. the yep. bedroom. Mm-hmm. So I'm a child, and I'm like, I know that this is a sexy situation. I had not been banged, obviously, at the, not obviously, the, I had not had consensual sex or anything like that as a child. But when I laid on that waterbed, I remember being like, I don't know how this would work. <laughs> I don't know how enjoyable of a situation this would be. <laughs> to see to see yourself in the mirrors, or is this the waterbed? We're talking Either. About? Okay. Wait, this was the mirrors over the waterbed? No, there was a mirror situation and a waterbed okay. situation. Okay. Both of them, I would... Well, and, but it was a thing. Like, my parents had... Because they owned the apartment, they had tenants who, like, trashed the apartment. Okay, I got And you. I remember us going, like... It was like an errand on a Sunday or like our family day. It was like, we need to go and look at the damage that this piece of shit did. And then me clocking, like... There's fucking mirrors, mirrors above the bed. That's a okay. circular bed. Oh, on top of that, that is yeah. That's and that's I obvious. was like, I haven't seen anything. I don't know anything. Oh yeah, I'm a child, but, but I know, I know that this is a sick, a sexy situation for sure. <laughs> you were you were very smart, very precocious child. There you go. My parents had the Playboy Channel. Oh, that's and funny. we had HBO. Hey, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, and that's then right. I ratted Premium out. Channels. I got into a, a tiff with my older brother, and I was like, "He watches the naked ladies on this <gasps> channel." You bitch, I know, right? <laughs> How dare you, right? right? We all just want to watch the naked ladies, Monique. Who doesn't? 
That's why I'm I'm adjacent to the burlesque community. Yes, I want to see all the titties. All they're the amazing. Yeah, for sure. But I was a child, and I didn't realize that the reaper. I thought he was going to get in trouble. I didn't think the naked ladies were going to go away. The what naked the ladies, fuck? every all of it went away. They went away. All the R-rated movies gone. Everything. Be careful what you wish for. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Be careful who you rat out too. Goddamn right. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Back to the horror. So puts her in the waterbed. She says she could smell that the apartment was very neat and that it had been painted recently. Oh, okay. She says he climbs over her on the bed and drags the gun across her stomach to let her know he still has it. Mm. For the next 26 hours, the unknown assailant raped Lisa, quote, every which way you can imagine that a person could be raped, end quote. He also slaps and punches her a few times, eventually ordering her to go to sleep, to which she thinks, yeah, How the fuck do you do that? Yeah. Let me know. I fucking have to have melatonin gummies and still be up for like 40 minutes. Yeah. On a good day to go to sleep. No. So she's like, there's no fucking way I'm falling asleep. But sure, whatever you want to tell yourself, dude. At one point, he asks Lisa her name. She lies and says it's Carol. He then asks her to describe the girls in her high school and what their bodies look like when they get changed for gym. Oh my god, what a piece of shit. So gross. She makes things up just to get on his good side and trying not to set him off. Apparently, her grandmother's boyfriend was like that too. One little thing and she'd get beaten. The man takes her into another room and fixes her a sandwich and a soda. Still blindfolded, Lisa can hear Airwolf on TV. The fuck is that? Like a TV show? <laughs> it's like a military-based TV show okay. uh, from the 80s, okay. which it sounds like it's a amalgamation of Airbud and, and Teen Wolf. Wolf. Yep. Thank you. Got that. Which is what I pictured. So I was picturing basketball playing werewolves, and it's a military show. Well, let's say it's, ma- it's basketball playing werewolves. <laughs> let's do that. Yeah, let's do that's that. better. Let's add a little levity to this horror nightmare of a there fucking you go. story. They interrupt the broadcast to say that a 17-year-old named Lisa has been reported missing. Oh, shit. She says that's when it really became real for her, that she had been kidnapped. She starts crying and screaming, and he puts the gun to her head and says, if you scream one more time, I'll be forced to put a bullet in your head. Stop crying. Lisa goes quiet again, but realizes that he said forced, which makes her think that maybe he doesn't want to kill her. Mm -hmm. He takes her back to the bedroom and continues to rape her on and off. So much so that she says she lost count. While still terrified, she starts to talk to him as if she likes him. Trying to use reverse psychology. Oh my god. And I've heard this in other stories. And Yes. This is like Elizabeth Schoaf kind of. Yes. I am so... I'm always so blown away by this because like... You would imagine it's not your go-to. I can't even lie when I like know the person is trying to get me to lie because it's like a little white line. We're like trying to get out of here or whatever. I'll be like, that's not what happened. And the person be like, can you shut the fuck up? You know I'm lying. Obviously, I'm giving you the hey, I'm lying face. And I'm like, no, but that's not what went down. So I am like honest to a fault sometimes. Uh, It would not occur to me that I could just like blatantly lie to this guy. So I'm amazed. Noted again, noted for the future. I mean, Banshee, I know we called you the, like, OG boss bitch, but I think Lisa's, Lisa's taking that taking title. Cake. I literally thought the same thing earlier. I was like, I feel bad that we called the Banshee the boss bitch last episode because clearly it's there's Lisa. a new boss bitch There's in a town. new boss bitch in town and it's fucking Lisa. And she's not just some screaming spirit. She's a real fucking live she's badass. She's an HBIC for Hell sure. Hell yes. Fuck yeah. Damn straight. Fuck I'm glad yeah. you said it. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I thought it, you said I it. I thought it, you said That's it. That's why this works out. Ah, it's so perfect. It's a great dynamic. So, trying to use reverse psychology, Lisa tells him that it's unfortunate how they met, but she can be his girlfriend. 
She tells him she can take care of him and no one ever has to know. She says she, and she's 17, she's 17 years, old. years old at this point. Yes. And she's talking to a full grown man. I may or may not have still been playing with Barbies at that point. I regret nothing. I'm obsessed with that bitch. <laughs> she was our first female president and she was the first woman on the moon. So she's amazing. Come for me. Yeah. She's fucking amazing. This is not how this scenario would have gone down. No. At best case scenario, I would have been catatonic for all of it. And they would have been like, what happened to you? I'm like, I literally don't know. Yes. I, literally I can't say anything. Tell you yes. Because I blacked I've, out for all of it. Yes. I've been in a fugue state for the past fucking. Literally. Yeah. 26 hours. Cool. And I am. Meanwhile, she's like coherent and cogent. She's fucking taking details. She's making note of everything. Like I can't she is even. on top of it. Oh. I'm obsessed. So badass. Good. I'm fucking obsessed. And Fuck I knew yeah. you would be obsessed too. Of course you did. Because you're yes. amazing. She says she basically just coddled him like a four-year-old child. And it worked. Is she, and she's still blindfolded through this whole she's thing? She's blindfolded the whole fucking thing. Holy shit. The okay. whole thing. Wow. At one point, the man puts Lisa's hand on his face. She thinks, what an idiot. Now I, I can know. Now, dis- <gasps> now I know what he looks like. Yes. Because she quote-unquote, saw him clearly with her hands. She says she could feel he had a small mustache, mm-hmm. some pock marks on his skin, small ears, and a snub nose. He's not heavy, kind of stout, but not overweight, just a big guy, and he feels very clean. Lisa, I am Lisa. obsessed with you. Yes, queen. <sighs> yes, queen. All capital letters, underlined, bold, italics, all of it. She's amazing. When he lets Lisa use the bathroom, she makes sure to leave her fingerprints everywhere. Yes, 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 yes. Everywhere. Fuck yes. In case she was killed, she wanted the police to know that That she was there. there. Fuck yes, Lisa, I'm obsessed with you. Amazing. Again, I do not think it would occur to me to ever do any of this. It's only recently become a thing for me because because I heard a story like this. Yes. That it's like, leave your DNA everywhere you yes, go. Yes, like drop your fucking hair. Which like, I shed every- like a motherfucker. <laughs> so that is not a problem. I know, right? uh, whoever had to kill me, it would like really be like, this bitch's fucking you hair is everywhere. Like, we're forever. so fucked. I've dated guys that they're like, your hair is in my luggage. And I'm like, I don't know how it got there. <laughs> Like, I haven't seen you in three years. How is this possible? Literally. Like, they'll be like, it's in my luggage. You were nowhere near my luggage. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just a reminder that you're never going to do better than me. How about that? Facts. (laughs) Facts. So they talk some more. And Lisa eventually asks why he's doing this to her. He says, quote, to get back at women in general. Fuck you. Because of a recent bad breakup. Fuck you. Fuck you. Yes. Fuck you. Hard eye roll. You. I ridiculous. cannot understate. Fuck you. Yeah. To be what fair, this- it's a little bit more than that, but like, come on, dude. That's not, that's not a reason to do this in any way, shape, or form. And also, what the fuck does she have to do with your breakup? Right? Nothing. She didn't do fucking fuck anything. You. She was a 17-year-old going home from work at two o'clock in the morning after working at fucking double. Could you not leave her alone and let her live her fucking life? It was already bad enough as it is. I mean... Fuck you. Like, yes. uh, that's all I have to say. And it's just this, this, well, these bullshit excuses that men come up with to behave badly and to justify their bad behavior. Yeah. That's fucking ridiculous. Fuck you. So this makes her think maybe he's raped other women too. Yep. Stands to reason. Eventually, Lisa tells the man that her father is very sick and that he can't kill her because she's his sole caregiver and he needs her. It's a blatant lie. But she wants to give him a reason to think that he should let her go. Mm -hmm. 
around 4 a.m. the following morning. And they've already established like an emotional bond. Yeah. And shit. she's like, I'll be your girlfriend. Yeah. Like, I'll take care of you. Like, you don't need to. She hasn't seen his face. So obviously yeah. he thinks like, oh, I'm like I'm kind totally of safe. Clear. Yeah. And because he's a fucking loser, he's like, well, she like loves she me. She loves me. It's fine. She wants to And this, I can, clearly. you know, and I, I wouldn't do that to her. No. Because she's going to come back after she takes care of her dad. Right. Of course. Around 4 a.m. the following morning, he gives Lisa another woman's shirt and orders her to get dressed. He asks her where she lives and tells her he's going to take her home. She doesn't believe him and thinks that he's finally going to kill her. Mm. He takes her back to his car and starts driving. Stops in an ATM, and even with her blindfold still on, she can see he's wearing white sneakers, jeans, and a white t-shirt. He stops again, this time at a gas station, and tells Lisa that if she screams, he'll kill the clerk, then come back and kill her. She stays silent. Finally, the man pulls into the back of a business. He tells Lisa that he's sorry and says, quote, tell your father he's the reason why I didn't kill you, end quote. The man then lets her get out of the car and orders her to wait five minutes before taking the blindfold off. After he drove away, Lisa pulled her blindfold down. The first thing she saw was this gorgeous, beautiful oak tree. And she says, quote, that's the moment I knew my life was about to change for the good. I saw the branches of a new life, end quote. I mean, chills upon chills. Girl, I know. But Lisa's ordeal wasn't over. She starts running home. It's about 4.30 in the morning at this point. And every time a car passes by her, she thinks it's him coming back to kill her. Yeah. She finally makes it back to her grandmother's house and bangs on the door. The boyfriend opens the door and immediately grabs Lisa by the hair and throws her to the ground. She says he beat her and interrogated her for about five hours, asking her where she had been and why she's cheating on him. Oh! Yeah. The audacity. This dude's fucking delusional. Like, I just, oh, I know. So fucking gross. So fucking disgusting. Your face is correct right now. Thank you. If you could see the horror on Monique's face, you would fucking know. Like, oh. Hashtag, I fucking hate everyone. Yeah. No. (laughs) Lisa's grandmother finally calls the Tampa police and says, don't worry about that missing girl. She's home. She's making up some story about being kidnapped. Oh, which go like, fuck yourself. Wow. Yeah, go fuck yourself. So I mean, ugh. yeah. Even though the grandmother is a fucking cunt who says Lisa is lying, the police tell her that they still have to do an investigation. Yeah, that's kind of like their job. Yeah, what we like pay you our can't taxes just be for. like, hey, yeah, she's back and she's lying about being kidnapped. So cool. Thanks. You don't need to come over. They get to decide if she's lying. Or yeah. Exactly. You don't fucking exactly. coos. I don't even use that word, but that's who she, that's what she is. Yes. She's a fucking coos. Fuck yeah. I just used a fucking hard C. I just called her a cunt and she's, I yeah. mean, she, de- it's, to me, cunt, I'll let that shit fly. Oh yeah, coos same. Like, I was like, uh, I was like, I need to prepare everyone. For the coos. For the coos. Yeah. No. Fuck she's, her. She's a cunt and I stand by that. Absolutely. That is an uh, official stance yes. by another fucking horror podcast. Notarized. Her yes. grandmother's a fucking cunt. Cunt. Lisa said if it wasn't for that, the police saying they had to do an investigation, she thinks she would have killed herself. Of course. Yeah. Because you I just mean, went through that. You were She was already going to kill herself. Then she just went through all that. Then she gets back and they're like, yeah, you're lying. You're lying. You're lying. You're and cheating on me. The person who's already sexually abusing you beats and interrogates you for, for fucking five, five hours. hours. Like, it's like, bitch, you know the fucking day I've had? Could you at right? least do this like tomorrow? Right? Fuck For you. real. Girl. At the police station to give her statement, she tells her story to a female detective who thinks that Lisa's demeanor is so calm that she must be lying. So she keeps making her go over it again and again. She's like, no, girl, I've just been like traumatized beyond belief that I don't have feelings anymore. Yes. I'm literally dead inside, but thanks. Yep. Finally, Lisa says, quote, no, 
bring in somebody more intelligent, end quote. Oh, shit! Yes. I know. Queen Lisa! She's amazing. Like, I'm obsessed. I fucking love it. Like, yes, bring in somebody more intelligent. You're fucking stupid. You don't believe me. I want somebody else in here. Thank yeah. you. Fucking bad bitch. I, mm. girl, you could have had a bad bitch like Lisa. Yes. Girl. For real. The next day, Lisa goes over the same story with Sergeant Larry Pinkerton, who is in charge of sexual crimes. Lisa overhears him tell one of the female detectives, I believe her, call the FBI. Fuck yeah. Hell yes. FBI. Thank you. Yeah. Damn. A couple days later, Lisa is back at home when she hears on the TV that, quote, another dead body had been found. End quote. Oh my God. It was the eighth woman to be found murdered. Oh my God. Yes. It was the eighth woman to be found murdered in the area since that spring. Lisa says the hairs on the back of her neck stood up and she thought this has to be the same guy. She calls Sergeant Pinkerton and tells him to come get her and that there's more she needs to tell him. Pinkerton calls the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office, which is investigating the murders, and tells them that they've got a live body and that they think the guy who abducted Lisa McVeigh is their serial killer. She tells the police everything she remembers. The Mm -hmm. white seats, the red carpet in the car, that it said Magnum on the dash, the car rattling, the steps up to the apartment, the waterbed, anything and everything she thought would be useful. There were red carpet fibers on Lisa's clothes, which matched the same tiny red fibers on the other victims. Oh, shit. And not just looked the same. Testing by the FBI determined that the fibers had come from the same vehicle as the ones found on the bodies. So they knew she wasn't lying. Holy shit. So Pinkerton asked Lisa if she'd like to be hypnotized, that maybe she saw his face and the hypnosis can help her remember. However, because Lisa is 17 at the time, they need her parents' permission. Oh, fuck. And her grandmother's boyfriend refuses because he's a fucking disgusting piece of shit. Sergeant Pinkerton thinks that's odd because, yeah, it fucking is. Because it is. Because you're like, this girl has been horrifically assaulted sexually, emotionally, physically, every fucking which way. Yes. And if it's like, hey, we can catch this person so he doesn't do it to anyone else, you would expect the guardians to be like, whatever, Whatever so that this doesn't happen to her again. Yes. Or anyone else for this matter. At minimum. If you want to be selfish and you don't give a fuck about anyone, but you care about you, like, at minimum. Exactly. This guy's still out there. He could theoretically come back for her and quote unquote finish the job. Yeah, you'd think you'd be worried about that. But no, he's a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit. And obviously he's like, "Mm, she might fucking say some shit about me under hypnosis, so I don't want that to happen. So they can't hypnotize her. That didn't even fucking occur to me. That's what I am assuming. That's the only reason why he would fucking... Of course that's what it is. Of Of course. Of course that's... It just didn't occur to me because I'm not a piece of shit. That's 10,000% what that is. I'm here for the piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) The piece of shit side of it. I'll tell you. She has the piece of shit. I have this... I have the like... (laughs) Pollyanna. I don't know what this... It's Pollyanna, but I also know that this is a sexy situation. Yeah. (laughs) She's like a sexy Pollyanna. I love it. I'm not sexy. (laughs) I can assess a sexy situation. (laughs) She knows what's sexy. Very Pollyanna about it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. So Pinkerton thinks it's odd because it is, and Lisa starts crying and tells him what's been happening to her (gasps) at home. They arrest the grandmother's boyfriend and immediately put her in a center for runaway teens so he can't find her. Fuck yes. Yes. Oh my god, you (sighs) Yes. There's so many times. I'm not gonna say rarely because that's not true. But there's so many times you hear these stories and they just don't do right by the victim. Yes. So to see, and the reason why you hear the stories is because they didn't do right by the victim. Exactly. That's why you know the stories. Yes. So to hear that they are is so 
encouraging and hopeful and yes makes me believe maybe not everyone is a piece of shit <laughs> yes it is nice to hear as opposed to the opposite or like yeah. what we deal with on a daily basis which is that nobody survives and everyone's dead and it's right awful. yes yeah so while she's at the center pinkerton brought some photos for her to look at and the moment she saw a photo of him she knew she said quote that's the face I felt. I'm 110% sure. Oh End my quote. God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Lisa. Lisa. I'm obsessed. She's amazing. I love her. Jaws on the floor, hands in the air. Yes. <laughs> That's where I'm at. I feel like weirdly that would make a really good song. Can somebody get a beat to that? Jaws Problem. on the floor, hands in the air. Hands like, in the yeah, air. Yeah. Yeah. Jaws on the floor. Yes. Hands in the air. Migos, get on this. Somebody, <laughs> somebody can do something with this. I know. The police retraced the route that Lisa thought her kidnapper and her had taken and found the ATM. They looked through hundreds of registration records for Dodge Magnums in the Florida Vehicle Registration Database and found the man's name, Robert Joseph Long, which they were also able to pull from the ATM transaction. Mm. Once the police found out who he was, they started a 36-hour surveillance operation. Fuck yeah. They saw him stuffing things in a trash bin outside his home and mm. draining his waterbed, which they believe indicated that he was planning to leave town. Mm-hmm. On November 16th, 1984, 12 days after she was abducted, Bobby Joe Long was arrested outside a Tampa movie theater and charged with the sexual battery and kidnapping of Lisa McVeigh. Fuck yes. In those 12 days, Long had killed two more women, 18-year-old <gasps> Virginia Lee Johnson and 21-year-old Kim Marie Swan. At the time of his capture, Long was wanted in three Tampa Bay area jurisdictions where investigators had collected multiple forms of forensic evidence, including clothing, carpet fibers, semen, ligature marks, and rope knots. After being arrested, Long signed a formal Miranda waiver and consented to questioning. Mm. After the detectives procured a confession for the McVeigh case, their questioning turned to the unsolved sexual battery homicides that had recently been committed in the Tampa Bay area. As the detectives questioned him about the murders, he said, quote, I'd rather not answer that, end quote. The detectives continued the interrogation and handed Long photographs of the various murder victims. Mm -hmm. Long, realizing that he was in for more than just Lisa McVeigh's rape and abduction, requested an attorney. It's a wrap, bitch! However, because he had already signed the waiver, no attorney was provided. Oh, shit! Yeah, bitch, like, you done fucked up. Couldn't have happened to a nicer person. Uh, he fucking deserved the shit. And Long eventually confessed to eight murders in Hillsborough County and one murder in Pasco County. After his arrest, Long was convicted of killing eight women, but confessed to a total of 10 murders. While Long only confessed to committing 10 murders, he alluded to the possibility of others during police interviews. Oh my god. On March 27, 1984, he killed artist Anne Wick, 20 years old. On May 13th, 1984, he killed 19-year-old Nguyen Thai Long. On May 27th, 1984, he killed Michelle Denise Sims, age 22. On June 8th, 1984, he killed Elizabeth Loudenbach, age 22. On September 7th, 1984, he killed Vicky Marie Elliott, age 21. On October 7th, 1984, he killed Chanel Devon Williams, age 18. On October 14th, he killed Carrie Beth Din's friend, age 28. On October 31st, 1984, he killed Kimberly Kyle Hopps, age 22. On November 6th, he killed Virginia Lee Johnson, age 18. And on November 11th, he killed Kim Marie Swan, age 21. Holy fuck. Yes. This is in 1984. Like, that's like yeah. his whole year, basically. It's yeah. just, like, laid out. 
Besides Lisa McVeigh, Lisa Nettle also survived being assaulted by Long in May of 1984. Mm. Prior to his murder spree in the Tampa Bay area, Long had committed at least 50 rapes mm. as the quote-unquote classified ad rapist in Fort Lauderdale, Ocala, <gasps> Miami, and Dade County. Holy fuck. Yes. Starting in 1981, Long answered classified ads, usually for small appliances, and if he found a woman alone at home, he would sexually assault her. Oh my fucking god. Yep. Linda's assault was one of his classified ad-related crimes. She was a stay-at-home mom at the time, and she and her husband had posted an ad in the newspaper to sell some furniture. Long responded to it and went to her Palm Harbor home. There, with her one-year-old daughter and four-year-old son in the house, he raped her. Oh my god. Before the assault on Linda and before any of the murders, in 1981, Long was actually tried and convicted for rape, but he requested a new trial, which was granted, and the charges against him were later dropped. Go fuck yourself. Are you kidding me? Go fuck I, yourself. I mean, no, it's the 80s or the 70s It's the 80s, or yeah, and nobody gives a shit. No one gave a shit. Even if he was convicted, it'd be like six months and whatever. And it's fine. You need to find whatever. You're fine. You have to do community service Like, maybe shit. you should again, but like, yeah. it's... It's just rape. It's Ugh. just rape. It's like, not that big a deal. It's like slap on the hand, whatever. Yeah, whatever. In the fall of 1983, again, before all the murders were taking place, there was yet another huge red flag when Long was charged with sending an inappropriate sex-infused letter and photographs to a 12-year-old Florida what girl. What the fuck? Which earned him a short jail sentence and probation. But that was- Of course. It. So we should let this man out on the streets. Because who gives a fuck? Because it's, cool. it's not that big of a deal. It's fine. He just, you know- Send a sex what letter and dick pics to a 12-year-old. That's just part of being a girl. Yeah. If you didn't want that, you should have been born a man. Yeah. Of course. Of Obviously. course. After he was caught for his murder spree, Long confessed that he derived sadistic pleasure from the abduction, rape, and brutal murder of his victims, some of whom he strangled to death. And others, fucking shit. Yeah. Others he killed by slitting their throats, bludgeoning them, or shooting them. Long would then arrange his victims' bodies in unique positions or quote-unquote displays. He preyed mainly on sex workers, and of his ten known victims, five of the women were identified as such. Two were exotic dancers, and the remaining three victims were a factory worker, a student, and one had an unknown occupation. Mm -hmm. In 1985, after Long was caught, the state attorney and the public defender's office of Hillsborough County reached a plea bargain for eight of the homicides and the abduction and rape of Lisa McVeigh. He pled guilty on September 24th, 1985 to all of these crimes and received 26 life sentences without the possibility of parole and seven life sentences with the possibility of parole after 25 years. As for Lisa McVeigh, who now goes by her married name of Lisa Noland, once she aged out of the runaway center, her Aunt Carol and Uncle Charlie came and picked her up. According to Lisa, I don't know where they were prior to this, but sure. according to Lisa, they were the only people who ever showed her love. And after oh. that, there was no holding her back. Oh. She worked some odd jobs, got married, and had a daughter. In 1995, she got a job with the Hillsborough County Department of Parks and Recreation. She had to report a break-in once, and the deputy that came out told her she'd make a good cop. Lisa was interested, but vowed that if she ever had kids, she wouldn't let them down. She didn't want to risk getting shot and killed. Mm -hmm. In 1999, she was transferred to the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office to be a dispatcher, and she also became a reserve deputy to see if it was a good fit. In 2004, she put herself through the police academy. Yes! And she's been in the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office for 20 years. Fuck! Yes! Lisa! Yes. Oh my god, I'm fucking obsessed with you! She's amazing to come back from that and then, like, be a protector of the people. Like, I just... Ugh. She's also a school resource officer at a middle school. I'm obsessed with you, Lisa. I know. She said, quote, They know I'm Mama Bear. Nobody messes with my kids, and my kids know that. 
end quote. I literally have all of the chills and I want to I cry. Oh my God. I know. I know. I know. She says she's been telling her story all along to anybody who will listen, but she didn't talk about it at the school she works with for a long time. Sure. Then one day a boy walked up to her at lunch and said to her, we watched some videos last <gasps> night and you helped catch a bad guy. I'm sorry that happened, deputy, but you're a hero. Oh my God. I'm so obsessed with I this. Know. Oh my God. My heart is like filled with joy. Oh my God. My cold, dead heart is filled with joy. <laughs> After that, Lisa decided it was all right to tell the kids about it. She's not embarrassed to say she was raped. She said, quote, I tell kids if somebody tries to grab them, scream as loud as you can. And if they get taken away, they should mind their P's and Q's and do whatever they can to survive. I tell them to be strong and draw on their own sense of self-preservation. And if a student is down in the dumps, I tell them a story about a girl whose family abandoned her and who was kidnapped and raped. And I say, do you think she lost her way? No. She became a police officer. You're looking at her now. End quote. Lisa, oh my God. Every ounce of me has a chill. I know. I'm not going to lie. I kept it together this time. But when I first read that in her interview, I like full on teared up while I was like reading it in the office by myself and like had to have a moment where I like stood up and walked away because, and you know me, like I don't cry. I don't really get emotional. I do. And it's, it's swollen up. It's, it's coming up. So yeah, Lisa, you fucking got me on that one, like right in the feels. Lisa believes her early experience of being the victim of child sexual abuse helped her talk Long out of killing her. She said, quote, Bobby Joe Long gave me the gift of empowerment to survive. I mean, yes, I was going to kill myself. But then this, it just got to the point, I'm done. I'm going to stand up strong and take no more. Victims not in my vocabulary. If anything, that horrible tragedy got me out of my home life. If anything, what he did to me empowered me, made me stronger. It gave me my life back. I'm no longer a victim. I'm a survivor and I'm a warrior. End quote. Lisa. I know. She's the fucking I am, tits, dude. I fucking am obsessed with her. My obsessed. eyes are like full watered. I'm so oh, like. I'm so glad. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to make you cry, but like also, yay. That's why I like, no, no I did a like, good job. Okay. She's incredible. She's incredible. Fuck. And again, she was 17 fucking years old. The only thing I can say is I'm in awe of her. That is 100% correct and factual. Yes, you should be. I'm in awe of her. I can't get over this. She's amazing. I mean, yeah. We keep saying it because she is. She is. Because there's not, I don't know how else to say it. No. <laughs> well, here's one more, one more kicker for you of how fucking amazing Lisa McVeigh is. Oh my God, I'm not even ready. So, on May 23rd, 2019, Lisa McVeigh sat in the witness room at Florida State Prison and watched Bobby Joe Long <gasps> die of lethal injection. Get it, She girl. said, quote, I wanted to be the first person he saw, end quote. Yeah. She also wore a homemade t-shirt that read, Long, dot, 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 overdue. Yes, queen. I'm so fucking obsessed yes. with you. Which in my book totally cements her as a certifiable badass because she watched her rapist die with a pun on her shirt. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> that's a level of badass Amazing. that I aspire to, but I'm also at peace with that I will never reach. Yes. That 100%. Yes. So it's a thing that I just look to people like this. Yes. And I'm like... I, again, I'm in awe. I mean, she's awe-worthy. You are correct. She, it's fucking amazing. Everything. The whole Pick story is crazy. Thing. The whole story is crazy. But, like, the fact that this was the night she was going home to kill herself 
and that this just was like pushed her to the point that she was like, no, not today. Fuck Satan. this. I am not taking this for one more fucking day. Absolutely not. Well, it's that thing that a lot of times, because like the mechanics of our bodies are made to not die. Right? To yes. So, for instance, people who go like on starvation diets, then they start storing fat because your body is made to not die and make yes. you live as long as it possible. It tries as hard as possible to and, keep you alive. And the thing that people who have attempted suicide have unexpectedly come across is that that mammalian instinct of when they try to do a thing of like, no, I no, need no. to be alive, I need to no, be alive. No. Yes. You know, so that's a thing that I was expecting when it's like she was going to do this because her life was a shit show, to put it incredibly yes. wildly and then she's in this situation and it was like her body was like no bitch no nope. not fucking today you don't want to fucking do this no nope. what do we say to the god of death not fucking today not fucking today she has a quote i didn't include it in here where she basically says that she felt like god told her like no we're going through this together we're gonna get out of this yeah. and then this like is, yeah there's more for you and, and this yes your plan yeah. yes that that was almost like him intervening in making sure she didn't kill herself basically I was going to say that, but I didn't want to go. She says it. No, no, no. She literally does say. Yeah. And, I didn't yeah. want to go through the religious angle and I did want people no, no, to no. be like, how bullshit are you? To I'm be bringing like, it up. Okay, yes. great. She literally says this, Lisa McVeigh, in one of her interviews. how I felt. I'm like, this is God 100%. being like, this no. is not your fucking time. She literally believes that and she believed that God was like, no, we're going to go through this together and then we're done, basically. You're done with that. I mean, the horrors that she went through are out of control and things that I, like I say, I can only intellectually understand. Yes. And I hope what I'm going to say is the case. It sounds like it is. But after going through all of that, I hope that every day she looks in the mirror and she's like, I'm a motherfucking badass. Yeah. I think she does. I, I watched, think so. I watched a lot of interviews with her. One, she's always like super calm and collected. She's always just like very matter of fact about everything and just has her shit together, like has a good head on her shoulders. She just seems like she's very settled about it now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that story was incredible. It's fucking crazy. So yeah, that is the story of how 17-year-old Lisa McVeigh, by staying calm and outsmarting her abductor, led to the capture of serial killer and rapist Bobby Joe Long. Banshee, you've been usurped. You've been usurped. I mean, that's fair. Lisa McVeigh. It's the OG boss bitch. You are fucking incredible. Holy fucking Christ. I, I she, literally, yeah. I can't stop. I literally am in awe. I don't know what else to say. She's fucking awesome. And the fact that she became a sheriff after that because like she wanted to protect people as well and like because she's a boss yes like she doesn't want this to ever happen again to anybody and yeah. like if she can do something to prevent that she will to see or rather hear someone like lisa reclaiming her shit and be like i'm not gonna let this break me i'm not gonna let this define me yes i am going to make my life i'm gonna live my life i'm gonna make it amazing and you can go fuck yourself and when you're on the way out, the last thing you're going to see is my motherfucking face because yes. I hustled you and I played you. Yes. That is the most boss bitch, big dick energy oh. I've ever experienced in my life. A hundred percent. I have a gimlet and I'm cheersing you, Lisa. Yes. You're incredible. Cheers. Which I feel is so like bullshit compared to who you are, but... You'll know the sentiment behind it yes. is genuine and true, and we have just nothing but love and respect for you. Like, oh my god, I just, I, I can't I, get over it. Yeah, I literally, the only thing that I keep, this, see, this is a perfect example of me not being articulate, 
the only thing that keeps coming up is I am in awe of her. Yes. That's in awe of her. That is the perfect description though. That's the perfect thing you could say about it. So I totally get it. I'm in awe of her. Like she's amazing. She's awe worthy. Yes. And awesome. Awesome. I was going to say that is technically the correct word, but it just seems not like awesome. It seems so weird now to use it. Captain Crunch. Awesome. It's not the same. (laughs) Um, I did not obviously go into Bobby Joe Long. Fuck him. Don't care. Don't care. For the record, he had some head injuries. Ah, there it is. So there you go. There it is. Yeah. Apparently he had some as a kid and then he had a motorcycle accident later in life that literally 180'd his personality basically. Ah, there it is. And his wife at the time divorced him because he got like so violent against her. Oh so, my God. yeah. Fuck him. So if you were like, hey, why did he do this? That is. That's a theory. That is, yes. That also 25% of serial murders share. So, yeah, again, again, quinky dink. Feel free to ask that on your first date. I'm not saying don't. I mean, I'm here <laughs> for it. That story was fucking incredible. Yes. I'm glad. It's, she's she's fucking amazing. And I love it. I love that she's like a police officer now and she just like is trying to mold a new generation and like teach them things that could possibly save themselves in the future. Like we want to pretend these things don't happen, but they fucking do. And you need to know as much information as you can. Like it's nice to be able to shelter kids from all the bad things in the world. But if you shelter them too much and then they're not prepared to handle it, like that's even worse. And not just that, if you may recall... Being a teenager fucking sucks. It's, it's really awful. tough. It's really terrible. So to say to teenagers, I get you're going through it. You're going to get through it because I went through it and I went through these really extreme circumstances. And it's and from, it doesn't seem like it's comparative suffering of like, you can't be upset because I went through no, that. No, no. It's very yeah. like, I get it. Life is hard. You're going through it. I know someone who went through it, who went through impossible circumstances and not just came out the other side, but like came out a boss bitch on the other side. Yes. And P.S. That fucking person's me. Yes. I is mean, like literally the reason they caught this guy was because she fucking yeah. gave them all this information and they could actually connect her crime and the fibers and all that shit with all of the other murders that had been happening. I mean, it's incredible. She's amazing. She's amazing. Lisa, you're amazing. Lisa, we're in awe of you. Fuck, I don't know what else to say. Holy shit. You are so Nothing else need to be said. Yeah. Yeah. That was incredible. Holy shit. Yeah. Fuck. Thank you. So was yours. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your personal story with us. For sure. It's so funny because I'm I'm always hesitant to... Oh my God. If I had personal stories that literally been like all of our first weeks, (laughs) like I would have just like bam, 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 personal story, throwing them all out there. Because I understand it's very hearsay-y. So much shit is though, honestly. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, they have more credence because they wrote it on a blog and I don't, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what bullshit that I Here's the thing, though. With. I know you and I know you as a person, so I feel like yours actually does have more credence because I know you and trust you and I know you wouldn't bullshit me. No. Yeah. Guys, I presented my favorite spooked story. Or my second because my first was Stephanie Arnold. My second favorite. And I was like, P.S. It's all bullshit. <laughs> yes, I did research. And, and like broke my heart that it was brute <laughs> bullshit, but it is. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to bullshit you guys. Yeah. I'd like to believe I'm reasonable. Yes. And you're always like, if you don't want to believe me, that's fine. That's fine. I am just telling you my experience through my perspective. Sure. Take that as you will. It does not change my experience how you feel about it. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you to all of you listeners. You're amazing. We're obsessed with you. Thank you, Jen at Murder Yes. Inc. Thank you for sending us our first piece of mail. 
It's I'm dying. I kind of want to frame it. Is that like the whole envelope, everything? I want the whole thing. Memorable. No, frame it and memorialize. That's what I'm saying. No, I don't think it's weird at all. Yes. Okay. I, yes. Amazing. We're obsessed with you. Thank you so much. We we keep doing this because it seems like you guys like it. We so appreciate your mail, Jen. You're incredible. We appreciate your DMs. Please follow us on Instagram at another fucking horror podcast. You can find me at Pinapromo. You can find me at Lobotomy. That's Lobot period Amy. Please send us your personal stories. If there's a banshee one in there and a UFO one in there, Amy and my lives will be set for life. We'd be so happy. You want to make us happy. Come on. Obviously. You're listening, so you're into it. (laughs) You can email us at anotherfuckinghorrorpodcast at gmail.com with a period instead of the U in fucking. And please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us out with visibility and with getting advertisers because we want to get advertisers so we can be monetized, so we can bring you even more of this content that you love. You guys are so fucking incredible. We love you so much. And remember to keep it cute. Keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.